0: God. You listen to Garage Hammer, episode 152. On tonight's episode, the Fat Manling finally gets around to talking about the General's Handbook. He's done painting and playing around, and he's ready to bring armies to the field! So, of course, he brings Alex Gonzalez with him, somebody who actually knows about bringing armies on the field. The guy wins every time the Fat Manling has a tournament. The kid can't lose, so he might as well bring him on, right? <laughs> Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to The Garage You Tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. Bringing you open play, narrative play, and pitched battles, or whatever the heck we want to call it. I am David White. That's matched play by the way. Whatever it is. It is. And that's Alex. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Alex. Thanks for coming on, man.
1: No problem. Is it a problem that I expect you to say, I am Usador every time you do that? I am Usador,
0: Wizard of the Twelfth Realm of Ephesus. I want that shirt so bad that has the whole name on it. Tell me that is not the best show, though. When you started listening, I told you to start listening. You're like, this show's a little weird. I'm not too sure. You got to about 10, and then the weird stuff started happening. You're like, what is going on? I'm like, just keep listening. Monday yeah, now morning, I'm in the 60s. Yeah, so. seriously. Monday morning, every Monday morning, I wake up. First thing I do is like while like while I'm getting ready for to leave, I get on my uh, my podcast app refresh and on my drive to work. It's my, it is my drive to work podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. I am so glad that I found that and was able to like bring it to our local community because now I've been hearing everybody start listening to it. Usador is awesome
1: the first time i heard like the first 10ish episodes i'm like this guy is probably the single most annoying character that i have ever heard on a podcast oh yeah and now you just kind of expect it and with arnie jumping in with you know various you know nicknames and mispronunciations uh-huh. it's great i it's mean brilliant you can't argue with this show so okay yeah we're getting way off topic already
0: no it's quite all right because he says it all the time and it's that insanely long name. Usador, Wizard of the Twelfth Realm of Ephesius, uh, Master of Light and Shadow. Light and manipulator shadow. of Magical Delights. Devourer of Chaos. Champion,
1: Champion. of the Great Hulzotarachis.
0: The elves know him as Fiangelic. The dwarves know him as Zainan Hustangis. He, he is known in the Northeast as Gasmanius Maestar. And there are other names that you may not know him by. But if you did, your whole face would burn on. There's always if you did. It's The live show that they put out last week was brilliant. Oh, my God, I was dying.
1: I haven't caught up yet,
0: so don't ruin it for me. And then I love when he's like, uh, but well, you know, and then when his voice just cracks and he goes, well, you know, maybe. The stuff that happens on that show. its brilliant. We are totally off track. But seriously, that is my favorite podcast right now. I love it's Cinema great. Sins. I love listening to the different... Uh, uh Warhammer podcasts that are out there and I listen to, to most of the AOS podcasts that are out there now. Um but Hello from the Magic Tavern is just it's my Monday morning go to. It I just it makes me happy. It is so much fun every week. Um, and
1: ironically it's sponsored by Total War Warhammer. So yes it is there's your little play in.
0: Um and uh Arnie, the Arnie Kneekamp works for, I mean, it's, it's in Chicago. He works for the guys who uh, make uh, Jack games, the guys who, you know, if you remember way back when you don't know Jack and all that, those are Jack games, uh, and that's why uh, Cards Against Humanity sponsors the show. I guess that's those are one of the guys he works for. Huh. So, yeah, it's like all those types of card games and things like that, he... Uh, He does. It's 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 it's, it's, if you haven't listened yet and you haven't been paying attention to me mentioning it every week or every time we have the 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 toolbox, which I won't be mentioning it now because we've done this. Um, it's brilliant. Just listen to it. It's brilliant. It's it's people from the Chicago improv scene doing a show. A. About a guy who somehow fell into Another dimension and is sending us podcasts From that other magical realm And everything they Improvise becomes the rules So as the show Goes on and builds anything they say it, that's, that's the land So So If someone improvises something completely Insane and they do Frequently It's history <laughs> It's in the books Yeah Oh, that's brilliant. Okay. You know what? We should thank the sponsors of the show real quick, um, which used to be a lot more than this. But with the Patreons, that was one of the goals they set forward was people saying, you know, hey, how about not so much of that stuff? If we give you some money, maybe you can not worry about all that. And so that's what's happening now. Uh, and thank you to the people who are sponsoring me, um, uh, the patrons on Patreon. I really appreciate it. Um, if you're interested, please take a quick look. Patreon dot com slash garagehammer, um, but the regular sponsors of the show, as always, are Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake, Illinois, Mercia Miniatures, M I E R C E hyphen Miniatures, Chaos Org Superstore, that's Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore, thank you, Six Squared Studios, uh, and that's everything you could possibly need in MDF and Battle Foam, protecting your.
1: Uh-uh, not me.
0: Ah,
1: <laughs> uh, me. How can I possibly do anything close to that?
0: Dude, Everybody, no dude, dude, lots of people try. I mean, it's just it's a thing, man. Just people do it. Like I said, yeah. I only did it to irritate Christopher, and then it became a thing, you know? Yeah. And I only did it but- to irritate Christopher because he did it to irritate me. And that's a game that if you play with me, you're going to lose.
1: Yes, I can believe that.
0: Yeah, I typed up the notes and I double typed the A, and so he went, "Oh, <laughs> me!" And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, you typed it wrong." And next week, I cut and paste and I forgot it, and he did it again. I'm like, "All right, that's it. Now that's what it is forever." And Lord, uh-huh. he hated it. And when other people started to do it, oh, you should have been here, sitting down here in the in the crypt with him. He would get red in the face when other people did it. It was glorious. Um. So listen up, before we go to quick break, uh, we have voicemail, 757 show 6 that's one, 757 seven 6 If you are calling internationally, generally it's zero zero and then one, 757 6 from most countries. Um, I love voicemail. Call me and leave me a voicemail. I haven't gotten one since I got drunk dialed by uh, Mark Cox last week. Um, I'm really waiting for a call from Mark Wildman because, you know, he says he loves me and then he never calls. So he, and you know, he never takes me to the airport either, but whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I know. So, um, quick before the break though, I do have a couple of things that I promised people that I, I got some emails and I did promise some people I would give a little bit of information out. Um, there are some GTs coming up. And, of course, when GTs are coming up, people would like them promoted. Uh, and Relian asked me to mention that coming up uh, September 30th to August. Uh, August. <laughs> From September all the way to August. It's a long one, folks. September 30th to October 2nd at the Causeway, bar Conve- Causeway Bay Convention Center. There's probably a bar there. In Lansing, Michigan, the Michigan GT 2016. Uh, there will be an Age of Sigmar tournament there. Um. Let's see uh, It is going to be on October 2nd So if you get there on September 30th There will be other stuff going on But this is on the 2nd From 9am to 6pm uh, Three games Generals handbook match play system 2,000 points from the same Grand Alliance Five rounds or two and a half hours Whichever comes first Follow the composition rules In the Generals compendium for match play Using battle host size Please bring five typed copies of your list to the event. You must have a three-color minimum. The three rules of one will be in play, as will scenery rules. Only units and formations in the general's handbook uh, that are assigned points values may be in use. Uh, awards will be given for best overall, best order general, best chaos general, best destruction general, best death general, best sportsman or woman. You could see Brad's wife, Andrea, Andrea's in there saying, hey, Watch it, and well, considering best- she wins enough of them. No kidding, and best painted, or best paint woman. No, that makes no sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know she wins a lot of those too, so I might as well she give her does. some credit. Lord knows, yeah, if she yeah she paints um, really well, so whatever. Um, so yeah, check it out. That's the uh, Michigan GT September thirtieth to October second, with the Age of Sigmar event being on October second. Um, I also got an email from our friends at Du Bois GT. Uh, turns out that registration is open for Du Bois GT, a three-day gaming extravaganza, November 4th through 6th in upstate New York at the beautiful Bristol Harbor Resort. It's an event not to be missed. Uh, team, and singles ter- uh, t- team and singles tournaments in other games, including Age of Sigmar. Not mentioning the other games Why? Because they're not Age of Sigmar And one of them I don't really talk about Uh, But there is also 40k and War Machine and stuff Um, And there's even A two day mega battle for 8th edition Fantasy lovers, okay Go to DaBoysGT. D A B O Y Z G T. All of this stuff is in the show notes. So if you, if dude, if you got your smartphone and you're listening to the show on a podcatcher, you could probably scroll down to the bottom of the notes and see it. Otherwise, go to GarageHammer.net and you can check out the show notes there. Um, uh, Let's see what else is there. I know there's more here. Register at DaBoysGT.com. Yep, Saturday and Sunday, GT Singles events and doing all sorts of cool stuff. Let's see, Age of Sigmar. Um, I'll try to include this link in the show notes, too. Final composition tournament rules are still under review. Near final revision of the comp rules can be found at wargamerusa.com. Uh, and then there's a long link for the, the, the string for what which what thread it's under. Wargamers USA. Oh, I haven't been there in a long time. That was where they had the Masters stuff. So, But there you go. That's that. Uh, you can go there and find out stuff. If you're in New York, go play AOS because that's the best game out there. And it's, they got a tournament, so you should go. You got any tournaments we should talk about?
1: Uh, yeah, I got a few. Um So we'll start with uh, Merry Mayhem. Um, This is in Madison. It's going to be on November uh, 19th and 20th. Um, It's kind of a little mini-con that uh, is being run by Ben Cohn um, up in Madison. Um, My good buddy John Wenger is putting together a narrative uh, semi-competitive singles tournament. So that's going to be 2,000 points match play. Um, five games three on Saturday two on Sunday so it's a full GT um, so this is on Madison the website is Mary mayhemcom um, lunch is included with your registration um, only thing is you have to ironically enough build a snowman because it's, it's a narrative event so you'll need to bring a snowman in addition to your army and there will be awards for best snowman best in general or best general best overall and the best or the player that Completes the narrative mission, will also get an award too. So, we're trying to do a little bit of everything with this one. Um, it's going to be a great time. It's been a blast every year. Um, and then Wapaka this year. Um, so, it'll be Wapaka 2017. We have two AOS events scheduled for that weekend as of right now. Um, the Friday of Wapaka, uh, Chad Hansen from uh, Lacrosse is going to be running a narrative event. Um, and then I'll be running a match play event on the Sunday of Wapaka. Um, and all that information you can find at Um or if you just google Wapaca, it's the only one that pops up and it's Wa w-a-a-g-a or waa but you gotta do the g-h otherwise you're not gonna find it um and then adepticon the big one coming around again um so it's gonna be march 23rd through the 26th at the schaumburg renaissance um We're going to have four awesome days of AOS. Um, On Thursday we're looking at either doing a narrative event or a big brawl so it's going to be about 3,000 points match play so that's a lot of stuff where we're going to do a narrative event. Just kind of depends what we have space for. Um, Saturday or the Friday we'll have the team tournament come back and then Saturday Sunday will be the AOS GT with a one day option again if you want to play on just Saturday. Um, So We've got all that wonderful stuff coming back um, for Adepticon, and we're hoping to make it bigger and better than we did last year, and just keep it rolling, keep it positive, keep it happy. So that's what we're trying. That's awesome. Yeah, trying to do a lot of stuff.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, um, okay, so that's just about everything. So let's take a quick break, come back, and we'll get through the Garage Hammer news quickly, and then quickly through the uh, toolbox and then get to this uh, amazing, wondrous fantasticness that is the General's Handbook. So we'll be right back, folks. and we're back that's right we are we're here get used to it Um, so, um, so here's this awesome thing called the Garage Hammer News. Uh, not news and rumors anymore, like I said last episode, because, well, I don't, I don't look up rumor stuff, I just don't do it anymore, so, I just don't, so, um, let's talk about um, Gore Chosen, this new game that's coming out, Curry got it real quick and, uh, did a review of it. And I'm kind of excited for it, if for no other reason than it's another one of these quick and simple games where they give you lots of cool models for less than the cost of the models, and you get this game with it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it looks pretty sweet, and it's already come out with a bunch of additional rules in The White Dwarf. You get rules for a couple extra characters, so there's plenty of room for expansion in this game. And it looks pretty slick.
0: Yeah, um, you know, the way he was talking about it, it sounded pretty cool. And it's, you know, not not even that, uh, just the fact that all of these models are character models and can be played in, um, they can all be played in Silver Tower. So yeah. you're just, I mean, if you're playing Silver Tower, this pack is a no-brainer because it's four more models for your Silver Tower. Yeah. Set.
1: And plus it's you know a good half of a corn blood bound army, so I like what they're doing with the whole. You can use all these different models that we're coming out with in multiple different games, not necessarily a o s but you know all these different games. just kind of use them, just play with them. It's okay
0: exactly uh and speaking of models that you can get for uh for um silver tower you can pick up the new white dwarf and for nine bucks you get the alternate model of the gore chosen which you get the gore chosen in the gore chosen game and you get his alternate model in here which counts as a different model with different rules for free so nine dollar magazine get you a thirty dollar model right there you're you've made twenty one dollars Not to mention that this magazine is 156 pages. Oh no, sorry, it's 148 pages. Um, Dude, this okay? And it's freaking sweet. Did you get Did you get it? (laughs) I did. I've already read it twice. This is everything I want White Dwarf to be. I mean, what else can you say except for that? It's everything I want White Dwarf to be. Lots of great pictures, decent articles. There's battle reports, there's little guides, there's painting guides, there's cool ideas in here, Uh, you know, the Grumbrindle thing, okay, whatever, we talked about that last episode. Whatever. You know, but the painting guides are cool, Um, you get some neat insight from some of the designers, Uh, you get to see what's coming up, there's a section with reader's models, you know, you can send them cool pictures of your models, and if they're good enough, they'll put them in the magazine. That's just kind of cool.
1: Yeah, this harkens back to what they did when I first started playing and where it was like you look forward to the next White Dwarf. And for the longest time, like the weekly stuff, I haven't been buying because I just haven't really cared. And this new one, I mean, I bought it. I got the Slaughter Priest that came with it. Great. And then you read a magazine and it's like, okay, they're back. This is legit stuff again.
0: If it keeps up at this level of quality... I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I don't know what else to do except um, to buy it every month. Yeah, I mean it's just it's that good. I mean this this month not only does it have the, you know promote the Gore Chosen and tell you a dozen different things that at least that are coming out soon because when and, and why not? I mean it's a hundred and forty eight page magazine. Um, there's rule, new rules for Gore Chosen, Death Watch, Overkill, Space Hulk, Betrayal at calf. Lost Patrol, Assassinorium, Silver Tower, Age of Sigmar, and Stormcloud Attack. They've got new stuff for all of this. Whether it's new character sheets, new new uh, new missions, new there's something for every single game in here except for 40k. You know, basically every game they have that has a short rule set has something in here.
1: Yeah, and even forty K got some kill team love. Yeah, so it just it covers everything, and it does it so so well that it's like, why haven't you guys been doing this for the last couple of years?
0: I don't know what in the world went on at Games Workshop corporate in the past year. I really, I mean, I don't. I mean, we all know, okay, you know. People come, people go. Whoever's whoever is making the decisions there right now is you keep doing that. Man, exactly. You keep him. Yeah, you pay him really well. <laughs> I mean, you know, they've got that. You know, they've they've they're, they're basically everything we've asked for for like the past few years. So you, uh, somebody said, "Wait a minute, they want a, they want a community outreach team. Let's do that." Wait a minute, they want they want us to be on social media where they can reach us easily. Let's do that. They want us to answer questions and talk to them? Let's do that. And, dude, you go on the social media, and it's like they're not just – I mean, they're funny. Like, they make jokes. They they, they they answer back, and it's like, wait, did they just make a joke? Like, yeah, okay. Like, hey, they, they, hey, guys, they want some actual content in their magazines now, and they'll actually pay a good money for a magazine that's actually worth reading. Oh, let's do that. Hey, let's make sure our, uh, our our army books have some really cool fluff and some cool rules. Even if we recycle the monsters and just kit bash them and stuff, let's make sure that. Okay, let's do that. It's, it's, damn, <laughs> like <laughs> let's put out some cool games that could play them or not, but we'll give them some really good deals. Hey, you know how they've been always asking that we release you know box sets, but you know actually you know give them at a nice discount so that they make them worth buying, and then they'll buy more of them if we do that. Let's do that. Oh, <laughs> who is that guy? Give him a raise.
1: Yeah, that guy we keep.
0: Yeah. So, you know, once again, rant over. But uh, uh, yeah, the the new white one is just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I just I find myself just flipping through it over and over again. I see Harrison looking through it. Kira was looking through it the other day. There any ogres in here, Dad? Sorry, they're not. Okay, can I keep looking through it anyway? Sure. What's this? She said, oh boy, what's this? Oh boy, what's this? Mm-hmm. I think I got. I might have another gamer on my hands. That's dangerous. Her oh. stuff looks good, by the way, isn't it? For I mean, she's ten. Yeah, that's ha- great. Harrison's, for ten, Harrison's jealous. He get mad. He's like, My stuff doesn't look that good. I'm like, Dude, when I was teaching you to do this stuff, though, though, I had no idea how to paint. I'm like, I've got, I know some techniques now. It's some, some like cheater techniques. So, you basic here. do this, do this, do this. You can get a basic, decent look out of it. Um, and then someone, and I, I'm, I'm blanking on who it was now, and I apologize because I shouldn't say stuff and not give credit to the person. But someone uh, sent me a message on, on Twitter, and they're just like, Hey, you know, because Kira wants, doesn't want to do tattoos on them, she wants to do cutie marks. You know, from My Little Pony, because she's still a yeah. girl. Um, and they're like, "Dude, you should just get some custom-made decals. That way, you can." Oh, do is that z- Nash? Yeah, Nash. That's right. Yeah, and he's like, and I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about. C-. He's like, I could show you how to do it, where to get them. You can get the exact cutie marks, so that way, because even though some of them are complicated, you can get them and they just get them, get them shrunk down, and get them and just decal them onto their shoulder blades, and they'll be perfect for her. She wants to do all mm-hmm. the she wants to do all the pants red. She's like, oh, I don't like these blue pants. Let's go with red pants. I'm like, dude, sweetie, they're your models, man. Let's do them how you want them. She's so excited. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, she's like, Are you, you going to let me play with them? I'm like, I, You better play with them. We're spending all this time painting them. So, that's it's what's so going on. Yeah, it. exciting. Um, one last bit of news, um, and this is actually it sounds like bad news, but it's good news. Um, so, after after our, our website got hacked and we put up the new website, um, things have been going really good on the new website. However, um, we're getting a lot of traffic and we're getting a lot of downloads for the show and stuff. And in a couple of months, we're going to be moving to new hosting. And the new hosting does not handle the forums very well. Um, and so, after some long discussions, um, I've decided that, um, well... The, the forums, you know, we got them back because people said well, you should put them back. We like them. And they started growing. And then Curry put out TGA.community. And my for, mm-hmm. my forums kind of the growth really slowed. And oh, yeah. And I'm not surprised. I mean, TGA.community is everything I wanted the Garage Hammer forums to be. You know, it it is. It's everything I hoped it would be, a place where you could come and talk AOS without all the hate, without all the nastiness. Um but Ben just did it better, and everyone is going there. And quite frankly, you know, I know he closed down the Bad Dice forums, uh, and they're the, honestly the, they're super, they're superfluous at this point. So right. in about a month or two, when we do the switchover, they're going to shut down. So I, if anyone had their uh, really loves them and has their heart set being there, I apologize, but this is actually a good thing because I talked to Ben. Uh, I'll still be posting the show threads there under the Garage Hammer Place under podcasts on uh, community, And I'm also going to wind up, uh, you know, he he needs extra moderators. And since I won't have to mod mine, he, I can help him with that one. So I will be helping him with that. And I'm not in some big way. I'm not going to be a huge part of it. You know, like, you know, a, I'm not a big deal over there or anything. But I will be helping with that. Uh, basically, why run a... Uh, it, there's, you know what it's like. There are like 700 uh, AOS Facebook pages right now. And oh yeah, there's a ton. And there are people who belong to like all of them, and I belong to four or five of them. And I don't really post on too many of them. You know, I mean, I post on the Garage Hammer page. I post on. Sometimes I'll I'll, I'll post things and look on the official Games Workshop one. And I may post in one or the others, but sometimes I'll get notices that of the same post going on to, like, six or seven different ones. You know what I'm saying? Because people are running and posting on – and it's just like it, there's – and I get that. You want to get – you want to talk to a lot of people and, and, and show people as, as as many people as you can how cool AOS is and all the cool stuff you're doing with it and you want to promote what you're doing. Um And on something as quick and easy as Facebook, that's cool, but on forums with the things like Twitter and that, I mean, the forums already have a much smaller community, I think, than they did a couple years ago, Um, and it's just redundant. It really is. So they are going to shut down in a month or two, but that's actually a good thing because just everybody who's on our forums, if you're not on TGA.community, just go there because that's where we're going to be. We're just moving the party to a better venue is what we're doing. So. Mm -hmm. I just want people to know that. So that's what's happening. Uh, okay. Um let, you know what? Let's not even bother to take a break. We want to go to the toolbox? Let's do the toolbox. Awesome. It's brought to you by Chaos Arc Superstar. Chaos Arc Superstar. Chaos Arc Superstar. <laughs> Alright. Uh hey, you doing any hobbying? I bet you are. I bet you're hobbying like a madman.
1: I have been um I was getting stuff ready, set up for uh, the trip to Canada, up to uh, Ottawa for the Capital City bloodbath. Um, right now, I'm getting ready stuff for uh, Holy Havoc, so I have to paint, shoot, about 80 flagellons. Um, okay. Yeah, ain't gonna happen, but I'm gonna try. Um, so... No, it's uh it's been kinda hobby central over here. It's either flagellants or it's stuff for Silver Tower. um, or I only have five Stormcasts left and then I'm done with everything that I owned for Stormcast. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm getting close to Project Hundred Percent. I'm at about eighty five percent completion. I refuse to
0: participate in Project One Hundred Percent.
1: Dude, it's so good.
0: Not this I feel
1: so much better.
0: Just not doing it.
1: You know, I mean, it's not for everybody, but um, no. So I've been hobbying like a madman and starting to write a lot more scenarios and player packs and stuff like that because tournament season is going to be revving up here soon. Oh, sure. So, yeah. And I don't know, just kind of taking it easy, getting it back from Canada for a week and a half was just, that was nuts, man. I tell you what. So,
0: you ain't yeah, wrong. It was a good time. No,
1: no, no, you ain't. It was it was a great time. If you've not had the opportunity to go out of s- country or out of state to play against people, it's a great time. Um, so I highly recommend getting up and getting out of there. And Ottawa is not that far away, and Chris puts on a great show. So it was a great time, and got to play six people I had never played before. Well, mainly because they're from Canada. So you know. <laughs> It was great. It was an awesome time. Highly recommend.
0: Cool. Um, what have I been doing? Okay, so I've been working on the wings for quite some time, going low and slow with the uh, on my on my stormcast. Um, I've been using the glazes, the blue glazes. I actually went away from Duncan's video. One. Um, well, you know, he just did one layer of glaze, and I kind of did one and then did another one a little bit back and another one a little bit back, trying to get the glaze sort of going up the, so it gets darker as it gets closer to the to the metal parts. Yeah. Um, it's okay. You can see where the layers are. I don't have that sm- seamless transition thing down. Uh, and then I went in with the light gray and tried to go up the wing so it looks kind of white, uh, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I, I'm, I'm getting frustrated. Like, I'm thinning the paint, and it still looks chalky. And I actually was watching a different video from him on the Shattered Dominion board, and he said one part where he was spreading out the paint, like, all over the Shattered Dominion board, and he said, don't thin it out too much, because if you thin it out too much, it'll start to look chalky. So I'm wondering if I'm thinning it too much in an attempt Mm. to not make it thick, and it's starting to go chalky. I'm, I'm literally, at this point, I've got the nine of them the wings like the, the that like the, the blue all done and i just have to go to the white and i'm considering because yeah. uh, chris you i got a i got my airbrush and chris was going to give me some pointers and show me a little bit of some some brush control to do more than just priming with it sure. and i'm thinking of just moving to the next unit and coming back to the flyers later once i've got some of that airbrush bit down and just going and trying to do the white part with that like just because it's, it, I'm getting frustrated and I'm getting angry, and I don't want to touch it because I'm not. It's not bad. Like I've put up pictures and it's not bad. It's just I'm not happy with it and I don't know how to fix it. And that's right. at, at that point. That's it, I'm I'm angry enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: So at this point, I don't know what else to do. I'm just like i, I mean, like i said i'm just at that i'm just like okay well um, i' i just i don't want I don't want to mess it up, but I don't want to stop painting, so I think at this point I just have to step away and i'm gonna wait to uh i'm gonna wait to uh see what if I can do that with uh with Chris and then go at it again right. So, but that's, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. That's, that's my, that's, that's my, that's my thing. So that's about it for my hobbying. just between that and helping care with the ogres, that's all I'm doing. So
1: that's pretty uh, good.
0: What about gaming? What are you doing?
1: Um, well, I've got, uh, we just got back from Canada for Cap City Bloodbath. Uh, got second overall, uh, Best Order General with the Stormcasts, Uh, so that was pretty awesome. Um, Otherwise, I've got the store final for our Summer League at my local game store tomorrow night. Um, It's my Stormcast against uh, John Winger's uh, Dark Elves, so Exiles and Order Serpentis and stuff like that. So um, It's going to be kind of crazy. He doesn't know he's playing me yet. Um, We're kind of pulling a Rickroll on him, so we'll see how that goes. Wait, so
0: it's winger and he doesn't know he's playing you
1: no um the guy i played in the semifinals, um one of our local guys um after we played i won the game and uh the guy i was playing against he's like you know we should tell john that he's playing me next week um just to mess with him and i said well if that's what you want to do so for the last week we've been telling him it's like dude you're playing cam next week and he's got glotkin and 12 minotaurs and he's gonna roll over you because he rolled over me um so we're just kind of punking john just because we can
0: oh okay i was gonna say how does he not know he's playing you don't you guys always wind up playing each other
1: we do um very frequently um and my stormcasts are not particularly nice the bomb has been something that a lot of the guys in my local area are like dude you have to put that guy back on the shelf and it's like I know, I know, he's not fun it's okay, but he'll be fine you know, it's just a guy you just gotta kill him and then then it's fine shut up Alex, that's not how this game
0: works (laughs) yeah, you know sometimes it's like when we used to when Christopher and I used to play uh, Street Fighter Yeah, and it's like, you know we each had a guy who we were really good at and we didn't play him too often uh, if we started losing a lot, we'd go to him just so we could win a couple and feel good about each other. But it's, that's the guy that, that eventually they're like, oh, really, you're going to play him? Really? You're going to play that? Mm-hmm. That's the model that's like, okay, he's it's, it's kind of the win button for you. When he's become your win button, yeah, it's time to put him away for the friendly games.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like Odd Job and GoldenEye. You just don't play that guy. Exactly. So, but yeah. No, it's been good, and we're just having a lot of fun and getting ready for tournament season. So,
0: all right, be great, excellent, and um, okay. Other than hello from the Magic Tavern, you got any other things you're doing that are interesting that people should know about? Um, I'm trying to
1: think. Um, no, not really. I mean, I don't really watch a whole heck of a lot of TV. Just waiting for hockey to come back on. Um, but, no, we've not really watched any other shows. Um, we did The Night Of. If you've not watched that on HBO, that was awesome. Um, it's everything I wished True Detective Season 2 could have been. So, um, no, but that's really about it. Not a whole heck of a lot else.
0: So, uh, you did you do uh, Stranger Things?
1: No, we don't have Netflix.
0: Oh, okay. Ah, So, you're missing out. That's okay. Um, yeah,
1: I know we're missing out.
0: It's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, for me, not actually, not that much. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm a big dumb stupid Big Brother fan. Um, yeah, I know. Heather watched; been watching it <laughs> since the beginning, and she's kind of gotten us all hooked these last few seasons. And this season's terrible, but we're still watching it. So I'm doing that, and um, I'm actually people are making fun of me, but I'm all excited because next week the Blair Witch comes out, and I loved the original, and I'm very excited to hope hoping that the new one is good because I want to see it real bad. And hey, as of Uh, today, I think it's only 98 days until Rogue One. Oh, (laughs) we're counting down. Not even
1: counting on that one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, not counting down till Christmas. Counting down till Rogue One. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. So, all right, that's it. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, Yeah. Because everything I'm reading is either for after Eleanor or this show, so nobody needs to worry about that. Um, I think that's everything. I, think I I think I don't think I missed anything. I'm very pleased with myself. All right, that's it. then you know what? Let's break, come back and let's talk General's handbook.
1: All right, sounds great.
3: To Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake. Check them out on the web at UniqueGG.com
0: back. And Alex, hello. Let, let's talk a little bit about The General's Handbook. Now, yeah. I know we're kind of late to the party on talking about The General's Handbook. Um I know that uh when it came out everybody jumped to uh to cover it as quick as they could. Um I was covering all the fluff stuff, so I wasn't too worried about it, to be honest with you. And I wanted to give a chance to to really look at this. Not that it's really long, but I really want to take a chance and 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 kind of go through it. And I knew you'd you'd want to kind of go through it and play play around with it a little bit too.
3: Mm-hmm. Um
0: I love this book. Like, and what a surprise. Dave loves something from Games Workshop. Um but it's not the Points and the stuff in the back that because the points are all in the back. Although it is, there is stuff in the back, the uh, the uh, allegiance abilities and stuff is really cool. Um, but there's like a thousand new ways to play here. Well, I mean, there's three, but but even those are broken into all these cool little subcategories of variants on those ways to play. Yeah,
1: um, the big thing with the handbook is that it gives you there's the three ba- you know three ways to play which is the open the narrative and the matched but then they break it down especially in the narrative section of how many different ways you could play different campaigns different sorts of things that you can do to kind of encompass the whole AOS experience so i think it's one of those things that when you get this book it's a one plus if you're playing an AOS if you are an AOS player you should have this book but it's not just for the match play points there's so much content in here that you can't play the same game twice with AOS anymore there's just so many different variations on how to do everything so I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this book at least for me is that you can do just just about anything that you want and they can help you provide the foundation for it
0: yeah, there's two real things that that I really saw in here. And one is um it's just like you said the variation. There's there's so many basically no matter how you like to play AOS, grab this book because it's got some whatever your version is, there's other variants and ideas in here for you. Um There's great stuff in here. Maybe something you hadn't thought of before. The other thing I love is I I know when, uh, you know, months and months ago, uh, Greg, Dan, and I were having a conversation, and he was talking about one of the things that he loved best about Age of Sigmar was that it is such a sandbox that, you know, it's like I can do anything. I can set up any kind of battle, any size, any shape from literally... You know, like like we've been talking about teaching your little kids with, you know, a unit on a unit all the way up to those huge mega battles. And it all works because the basic rules are simple and you can sort of stretch it and play it basically however your imagination takes you. Um, and then you get into the really opening section here. And this, this like, it literally, you open the book. Page one has the table of contents. And then you flip to page two, Many Faces of War. Let me read this part, because this, this really sums it up. Now, they call it a toolbox instead of a sandbox. But, uh, it's just here, uh, let's see. It's important to note that all the rules presented in this book are optional. They can be used or not in any combination that you and your tabletop adversaries find enjoyable. To this end, the General's Handbook has been designed to work as a gaming toolbox, providing many options to get the dice rolling and play with your collection of Citadel miniatures on the tabletop. For instance, there are new allegiance abilities for armies of models that all have the same keyword, instructions for several types of campaign, plenty of new battle plans, information on running tournaments, battle reports, and much, much more. The different ways to combine the rules in this book are practically endless, and the flexible system ensures that, whether you're just getting started or have decades of experience, everyone can find a style of play that it, that suits them. So if you and your gaming group want to run a weekend-long tournament with balanced forces using some time-of-war rules that you've made up yourselves, do it! If you want to tell a story with your games where the progress is recorded on a map with special magical items available to whoever controls certain locations, so long as you and all agree beforehand, that's the way to go. Whether you just picked up your first start collecting box or are dusting off a collection from days long past, the General's Handbook is here to help you find your favorite way of playing and give you the tools to bring the mortal realms to life on the tabletop. And that that sums it up perfectly cuz it it's it, it's hard to say, I mean it's rare that you find something that is literally everything for everybody. And this book pretty much does it.
1: Yeah. They definitely tried to encapsulate everything cuz even if you think about back in, you know, old Warhammer 6th, 7th, 8th, there was guys that played You know, softer, themier armies, and then there were guys who played the super competitive stuff. And the guys that played the more narrative games, um, they didn't always get the love. And (laughs) they didn't. No, they didn't. There wasn't a lot for them. There wasn't a lot. Like, they did a couple campaign books with Lustria and Storm of Chaos and a few other things, but there wasn't a lot of love for. Narrative it was more competitive based
0: if that's what you wanted to play, you had to dig to that fluff section in the middle or the back of the big rule book. find your own stuff, make up your own things. Those were for the guys who wanted to sit down and make up their own rules and their own stories uh, every once in a while, stuff came out and and those and you and you hoarded that stuff i've got a bunch of old white dwarfs where i in fact, I would go and I would find out when you know when people would show. On Facebook or on Twitter, show pictures of old white dwarfs with the issues, mm-hmm. and they would show, oh, this, you know, here's an old issue with this, uh, you know, with this campaign in it or this thing in it. I jump on eBay and find that old issue and order it because it's like, oh, okay, cool, another old campaign thing. Because um, anything you can find is great because it was pretty rare. Yeah, um, it was pretty tough to come by. And now in this book, two thirds of this book, at least.
1: And, and then some are dedicated to the concept of you're creating stories and you're doing all these cool things and here are examples that you can use. And the biggest thing out of this is that it's all optional. As long as you and your opponent or you and your group agree beforehand, just play. And I think that's a very different mentality than they've had before. So this is a real breath of fresh air, at least as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and and that's kind of what I want to go through. A lot of um, coverage on this has really focused... I mean, people mention the other stuff, but it's really sort of focused on the different allegiances and their abilities, and we'll talk about that, and the fact that people have points and how you break that down and how those rules work. Um, but I just, as I'm going through this, Like, I didn't, you know, and the thing is, I didn't have time to look at a lot of this because I've been doing the other things, trying to cover the fluff books and the other stories. And it's like, I'm not going to a tournament anytime soon, so I don't really need to look at that. And I kind of had it put off to the side, put off to the side. And I, most of what I knew about it, other than just kind of flipping through it quickly, was what I'd heard on other shows. And as I really sat down to take notes on this, I'm like, there's so much more here than I realized. And so I'm like all super excited
1: yeah and it's very easy for those of us that have been playing for a long time to jump to the back of the book. Um, but I think it's important that you take into consideration the whole of what you have with the handbook. It's not just I paid you know twenty five us for a book that has the points for AOS. No, it's a lot more than that, and you should be at the very least getting your money's worth out of it and play everything.
0: Yeah, give it a shot because, I mean, there's so much in here. They talk about using the battle plans. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about using the Time of War rules. I like the Time of War rules where they set up, like, all the rules for the, for the basically, the, the terrain, or not just the terrain, but for the, the environment. Um, mm-hmm. You know what it kind of reminds me of? And I know people groan when you mention it, but it almost reminds you of the Storm of Magic stuff. It's like they tried yeah. Storm of Magic, and Storm of Magic was a little too much, but they basically threw it in and said, listen, if you'd like to use this, the magic isn't going crazy wonky, but it does throw a bunch of crazy wonky stuff in there, saying, listen, if you want to work in a place where the, you know, the, the weather's going nuts, the ground is shifting, you know, magic is sort of going here, there, and, and, and elsewhere... Um, Take it, run with it. We're giving you the lay of the actual land in this realm, and if you actually want the realm to affect you on the board, here's how it works, which I think is cool because it's just another option. Your board doesn't have to be a stagnant. Here's the board. Here's the bits of terrain and how they work. You can literally say, "I'm working in a lava field." That's going to have an effect on my men. You know, it's it, it's a blizzard land. It's going to have an effect on my men, and you can. You, and if you want to incorporate that, um, which is funny, because for a game that's that simple, the more of these things you start throwing in, the rules and the battle plans, the you know the different alliance rules, then you start throwing in a time of war rules. Suddenly, this game becomes very complex. You start using all the different terrain rules. And yeah. everywhere you move, just stuff's blowing up around you. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, it's like suddenly every step you take, it's like, oh, my goodness, if I move over here, seven different things happen. Um, and it can get all that sort of complex and involved if that's something that you want to do for an afternoon, if you find that fun. I, I kind of do.
1: Yeah, that's where it goes into because with old Warhammer, they set everything up for you. This is the game where you set it up yourself, and you get to do what you want to do, and they provide all the examples for you to do it, and at the end of the day, it's about you taking the initiative, as it were, and creating your game and coming up with what you want to... Yeah, look at that. Um, It's coming up with the game that you want to play. They just give you the template, and then you take it and run with it. So they really put the power to the players, as it were, um, with this handbook. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: you get the time of war. You get all the different things. So you can customize your battlefield. You can really come up with a creative campaign or creative battle that takes into consideration all the things that really haven't been there before. And now you can do it. And now you can do whatever you want. And that is a great thing.
0: Yep. So let's dive into open play, which seems like it would be the simplest, but there's so much fun stuff in here. Um, mm-hmm. Open play is actually one of, uh, you know, it says right here. Open play, if for, and at its at its most basic, grab some models, throw them on the table. Yep. Play, you know. Hey, I brought this. Okay, I brought this. Does this look fair? Nah, take some of that off. That's okay. Heck, when you and I did it, grab five units just at their base size. Uh, You grab five things. I grab five things. Are you really taking Manfred Whitech? Oh, 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 okay. I thought you were going to take that other guy. That's why I grabbed him. You're not taking him? Nope. I'll put him back. I'll just take a regular vampire on a horse. Much better. Like, you know, and we had a great game. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that's that simple. Uh, Open play is also probably the best way. To teach someone who is either new to the game, and by new to the game, I mean I mean a young or completely new to tabletop wargaming. Open play is probably the best way to take it because it's like, you know, you can just throw a couple of things on the table and basically get them the mechanics down really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very simple, but they do throw in for people who know how to play some fun some fun things in here. Um, I, I, I like open play. I mean, I like to throw in some scenarios and some stuff, and that slowly moves into narrative play. But um, there's also nothing wrong if you're just sitting around saying, hey, let's, you know, what did you – I brought this. Okay, well, it's not exactly what I got. Let's pull this, pull that, and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing is I think the line is very blurry with between narrative and open because as soon as you start setting up kind of that story, you're forging the narrative with your opponent as it is yep. when you do open play. So I think the two of them, they have a very blurry line between right. the two. And I, I, I
0: think, and I think in the book here when they start to talk about narrative play, that's where the battle plans sort of come in a bit more. Where you, yeah. s- where you start setting up more objectives as opposed to just sort of rolling the dice and trying to take your opponent out. I guess that seems to be... Some of the line, I'm not 100% certain. Yeah, I agree with you, it is blurry. Yeah. Um In fact, some of the stuff they throw into the open play games is where we get to get into the multiplayer games, um, which I think is, they have some rules here for multiplayer games, and I definitely want to go into them because this is where it looks fun to me. Yeah. Um So, multiplayer games, they have uh, basically two two different sets of rules for multiplayer rules. Uh, they call them Coalition of Death and Triumph and Treachery. Um, triumph and Treachery is basically what we all know. It's every man for himself. Um, and Coalition of Death is teams. Mm-hmm. So do um, uh, you want to take Coalition of Death or Triumph and Treachery? Which one do you want to take the lead on? I'm, I'm um, easy like Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, we can just do Coalition. I'll do that one. Okay. Um, so with the big one, you're going to see... So Coalition of Death is the first one that they talk about, um, which is a battle fought between two sides um, consisting of X number of
0: players. Um, Doesn't have to be an even number of players either. No, it does it just not. just has to be players.
1: Yeah, it just says that you have to have three or more. So right. it can be a two-on-one. It can be a three-on-two. Whatever's clever. Um, and then let's see. They do also include some battle plans to talk about Coalition of Death rules. Um, so it's like King of the Hill and Fog of War which we can talk about in a few minutes. Um, so basically you set up your armies. You pick your general for each player's army as normal. And then you pick a player from each coalition to be the warlord. They make they suggest that this is often the player fielding the largest force. Um, and the warlord is the guy that has the final say on decisions. They roll um, to see who goes first.
0: Um, Yeah, if there's a team role or, like, role for initiative, the Warlord rolls it. If you're playing more than two players on a side, or even if you're just playing two players on a side, if you can't agree, the Warlord has the final say. Right. Um, Like you said. Um, Every general on the side is allowed to use their command ability, but it only affects their army. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. So everyone's getting to do their stuff. Um yeah what and then
1: in like when it gets to fighting the battle, they talk about how instead of like in a normal game, if you and I were to be playing, if it was my turn I'd nominate a unit to fight with, and then you would nominate a unit with how this works is the whole team nominates at once right so, so
0: like if it was uh you and I against two other guys, i would uh you or I would nominate a unit. From our uh, army to go, and then the other guy on our team would nominate a unit. So if it was two on two, it would be two of our units on our turn would attack first, and then two of their units would attack. So each general gets to nominate a unit, but the whole side goes at a time, which Mm -hmm. suddenly throws the whole dynamic, I mean... How often have we, you know, lined up battles and guys are getting pulled in from three inches and have two or three units are in a battle. Dude, getting getting more than one unit to get it to attack first. I mean, that changes a lot. Right. Just just that one thing right there
1: it really does i mean in single player games where it's you know just one-on-one there's some characters that may have the mark of slanesh or high queen Kalida. they can jump initiative order like that but this is that's like a closet case this is low like i can hit you with this unit and your buddy can hit the same enemy unit with this unit so it hurts a lot more. I mean, it's available to both players, to both teams, but Yeah, sauce for the goose here, that. because it's, yeah, they're getting yeah. to
0: do the same thing back, but suddenly it's that double hit every every round of combat, and you're just like, oh, that, I mean, it can... It, so the the battle, it seems to me like the battle's going to get a lot bloodier during the combat phase. Yeah, I mean, a lot
1: bloodier, a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you plan it right, you can be wiping out units. Mm -hmm. Um, and also then it also starts depending on where your opponent starts pulling the models from right because if you're attacking me and he's kind of over there I'm going to start pulling all the models away from him because if I can pull enough away maybe suddenly he doesn't even have the option to attack you know if I can Mm -hmm. get that far enough more than three inches away stuff like that All all these little elements come into play that that you know, before it was like he that him, then me, then him, that I could pile in that way and move away from your guys or whatever. And suddenly it's like, no. And it, think about it if you get a game like this, like a three on three, that's going to get yeah. stupid really fast. I mean, if you can get that many units into a combat. But I mean, just think of the size of the scrums when you've got three armies on a side and the board's 12 feet long. Mm hmm you know, and you're mixing up where you're deploying so you got a little bit of stuff everywhere because you're actually backing each other up with your mixes of units, that can get really fun and really, really crazy. Yeah, um,
1: and it's one of those things that with a lot of team games, sometimes it boils down to that you're playing against the guy who's deployed a, directly across from you. So this, if that happens, you can speed the game up instead of taking that long, drawn-out time because you're potentially resolving two or more combats at once. Right. So it's not like you get bogged down in rolls and everyone gets their fair time. So it works on both aspects with regards to, it can get things bloody very quickly. It can also keep the game moving instead of getting it mired down.
0: Yep. And then you flip over to triumph and treachery, which is three or more people, everyone for themselves. Um, and ba- they've included, you know, there's a couple of Triumph and Treachery battle plans in here for you, too. Uh, and it says enterprising players will find it easy to m- modify many of the two-player battle plans that have been published. Um, so the battle rounds now, obviously, you know, instead of being my turn, then your turn, it's my turn, then your turn, then his turn, then her turn, then the next guy's turn. How many people are playing? Um this is the interesting thing that I, that I like in this. So everybody rolls a die to see who goes first. And then if there's a tie for highest, those people roll off to see who wins. When you get a winner, that person decides whose turn it is. It's not that person goes. That person decides whose turn it is. So you could literally nominate someone who really wants to go, because it is triumph and treachery, remember, who could promise you the world. Or you can go yourself or whatever But I'm thinking I roll highest I could actually even nominate someone way across the board Who I want to go first to be taking out someone else Who's nowhere near me After that person's turn is over Everybody whose turn it wasn't Including me Because even though I won the roll I didn't take my turn We all roll again If I win the roll again I dictate whose turn it is again So you've got that going right off the bat Which I thought was interesting Hmm. Yeah, and this is something
1: like when Triumph of Churchery came out in Eighth, we all loved it. Oh, it yeah. was a great system to come out, and now they've got it where it's a little simpler. There is not the crazy wackadoo
0: cards. It's well, you can't as much because the crazy wackadoo cards reflected with all those. I mean, they had stuff for all the different magic items, all the different rules, all the different things. Here, it's so streamlined. You, you know, there is no need for them. Um mm-hmm. but they do have there is stuff that goes on in every phase now. Um you know, here in the hero phase, oh first of all, whoever's turn it is, they decide what order abilities are used in their hero phase. So if other people have things that can happen during the hero phase, I get to decide the order if it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Which is big. And that I mean that really does put you in a position of of power to manipulate the game. Um, and only one person can attempt to unbind a spell ever still. So if multiple people want to do it, the person whose turn it is gets to decide who gets to do it. So if you're wise opponents and you everyone wants to stop him, um, you, you defer to the person with the best ability to unbind. Of course, mm-hmm. if you're trying to help the guy, you could be like, no, I want to unbind too. Hey, look, I'll volunteer to unbind and you can nominate me. You know, I, I'm not nearly as good as that guy. I'll help you out here if you back me up later, you know, because once again, Triumph and Treachery.
1: Mm-hmm. It's um, all about wheel and deal.
0: Exactly. Um, the big difference is before, remember, you had to declare who your enemy was in the phases mm-hmm. and, and nobody else existed because otherwise it got too crazy. And that's out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now the combat phase. Any unit that has charged or has models within three inches of an enemy unit can attack with its melee weapons in the combat phase. Uh, The player whose turn it is picks a unit to attack with, and then here's another part where he gets the power. Okay, it's my turn and I attack, and then there's three other players. I get to decide who goes next, and then I get to decide who goes after that and who goes after that. Once that first round of combat has happened, that order stays the same for the rest until everybody has fought with all of their eligible units. But it's my turn. I get to decide the order. Right. So that, I mean, once again, that, that's, that can, that can really turn, uh, things and you don't need a bunch of cards or a bunch of coins or a bunch of this, that, or the other. If you're playing just these little bits of influence and deciding who's going to go when, can completely turn the tables on mm-hmm. the game. And it's, it's like, you know, the game's simple enough where these little things make it work. I, I, I'm, I'm reading this going, this is great. Um, models can be used to attack enemy models, not just those belonging to the player whose turn is taking place. You can attack anybody. Um, and during the Battleshock phase, all players take Battleshock tests Player whose turn it is tests first, and then do they decide the order that the other players take battle shock tests? So um, yeah, basically, it's it's all about cunning and putting your picking who goes when and uh, wheeling and dealing and turning your opponents against each other uh, until the until the time is right. Mm. I, I dude, I like it. I was you know. I've still got my Triumph and Treachery set, and I am sad that I've got all these cool bits and bobs and cards and, and coins, and none of it's really usable. Um, but the rules are still there, and the the game itself can really be fun. Uh, it's totally streamlined now. I don't need to bring a giant box for Triumph and Treachery. No.
1: You know? And it's one of the things that you can incorporate that kind of mechanic if you want you just have to create your own, make sure everyone's okay with it and go for it.
0: Yep. Yeah, because basically it's it's a this is a last man standing game though. You know, this is wipe out your opponent, you know. Yeah. Um, which is just awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and the battle plans that they give examples of for both Coalition at Death and Triumph and Treachery, it's about um getting victory points. Um, or laurels of victory. Um,
0: I like the manner. laurels of victory. It, it's all. It's all. Uh, it's the. Uh, it's um, you know different uh, scenario. It's like you know um, primary, secondary. Ter- it's uh, it's all objectives, and every objective you get during the turns earns you
1: x many points. Yeah, yep. earns you points. So it's not just you know knock the guy's teeth in. It's you still have to achieve your miss your mission. And but you can play
0: knock the guy's teeth in because King of the Hill and Fields of Blood is exactly that. Right. Um, Although Artifact of Ultimate Power is the old Artifact game. Basically, it's the same game from the old Triumph and Treachery. It's just uh, moved around a little bit. You know, a couple of shifts and and, and mixes here from the old set of rules. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And it has an escalation mechanic to it as opposed to if you can't fit, don't deploy. It's now you only get X many units on that keep coming on.
0: Right. So... That's that. Let's see. Uh, they have, oh, they have the Might is Right and the Tower of Screaming Death. I like Tower of Screaming Death. It's kind of like the, the, the old tower scenario. You know, get into the tower and hold the tower at the end. Capture the tower. Um, but adjust it so it's not so completely lopsided as before because there's no real building rules. Um, this one's weird because it, it's basically like take your Realm of Battle board with your six tiles... And take the two center tiles and spread them outward so that, they're, so that the middle is wider. So you have like a seventh tile in the middle.
1: Yeah, they S- did that for both of them.
0: Yeah. So that spreads out. And might as right is if you're playing up to six players, that gives a little space in the middle to fight. And the Tower of Death, once again, you can have up to six players, but nobody's in the center tile. If you don't have a seventh tile... You know, I don't think they sell them individual individual tiles. I know they do for a lot of forty k boards. I don't think they do yet for for this. I've only got the regular board. I don't have a seventh tile. I should look into that but uh mm-hmm. I don't know. I like it all, and that's basically all of the open play stuff. It's just the sort of um you know open play basically just stretches out to the multiplayer rules and the uh you know, for Triumph and Treachery and the uh, Coalition of Death stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think it's great that they included that into this. So, so it's not just you're playing one-on-one with your buddy. It's you can get the whole club involved. You can do these big multiplayer games. Here's different examples of how to do it. So it's really encompassing everything.
0: And it's another one of those things where, you know, where, the, where the, we had the most fun, at least, I think, um, playing Triumph and Treachery or these multiplayer games um, or where the opportunity arose the most was when we did get together on club nights and there was an odd number of players. Yeah. And it was like, well, okay, we got an odd number. So why don't the three of us, we'll play, you know, we can, we'll we play Triumph and Treachery. And, you know, and when inevitably when we had a big group and three players decided they were going to play Triumph and Treachery because we had an odd man out, one table just decided, well, screw that. We'll play Triumph and Treachery, too. You know, mm-hmm. like one, one table, well, we'll give up the regular game because the game's fun, right? You know, and it's and it's still here. I was so glad to see it was still here. Yeah, and the rules for
1: teams are important too, because I mean, running and having run tournaments like with Adepticon, our team tournament for AOS or fantasy was one of the big highlights of the weekend. We now have rules that give us an outline for kind of how you should do things for team events. Yep. So, yep. it's more than just an open play standpoint. It's we can take this into a different scale just by making some adaptations. And, and I like that's okay too.
0: I like that. I'm hoping cuz I I've got my fingers crossed if I'm I've got my the AOS team tournament, I think I might actually be able to make it that day. Like instead Holy of ha- cow. I know. I spoke to the wife and I might actually be able to come out like early, early Friday morning or late Thursday night instead. So I'm there Friday for the team tournament and not just Saturday and Sunday for the for the GT. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that the warlord rules and the two the whole team takes the turn two you know, two teams at a time thing going on. I'm hoping to see that in there because I like it. So. But you know what? Let's take a break because we reached the end of open play. We'll come back and we'll hit narrative play after the break. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. We'll be back, folks. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut All right, we're back, back with some narrative play because we've had enough of the open play. Time to lay down the narrative.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Yeah, this is the biggest section of this book is the narrative play. So I think that's something that we should really take a note of is that this is the section that they're putting the most of their efforts into is narrative play and doing something about stories and themed armies and those sorts of things. So this is the biggest section of the book for a reason.
0: You're right. The book is essentially 165 pages, if you don't count the last four pages with the rules. Mm-hmm. And this starts on page 24 and goes up yeah. to what, 111, I think. Or Yeah. it's No,
1: it's a no, – here it is. This goes up to page
0: M- matched play starts so, so ninety seven
1: is 97. the last so seventy three pages of how to do
0: out of one hundred sixty yeah and and out of one hundred sixty and if you consider that in the matched play they've got battle reports in there they've got the entire list of all the army points in there right you know so that. <laughs> That cuts into a big chunk of that. This is, yeah, this is the biggest, most, you know, longest, most explained part. Uh, going into narrative play and forging the narrative, as they like to put it. Um, mm-hmm. And I love, they basically kind of put it real simply, too. They go, hey, if you've read any of our other books, those battle plans, hello, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. This is, they've just put it into a bit more of a categorization. Um, and then the different ways to play in the narrative section are just so vast. And you can just do just about anything as long as the story's cool. Yeah. And they that's list just dandy.
0: They list like five just like five of the simplest, most basic ones. Mm-hmm. Um and I just like I said, I I love this part. But this is what we've been, I've always done. I mean, this has always been some of the stuff I've enjoyed the most. Like when we went to Bits those first couple of years and, you know, Grant and Chris and, uh, would talk. And I, you know, I know, um, you know, th- we, they, they would sit down and um, I know Grant sometimes would write some stuff up. And he would be like, hey, read this over. What do you think? Uh, or, you know, do you have any ideas for this? And they would try to, you know, like write the little stories for the different uh, scenarios to try to link them together. Heck, I try to do that for the three rounders. Just, you know, try to link them together with a bit of a story. Even that is doing something narrative, Chris. You and I—I I mean, you've listened to the show. I mean, we would have mm-hmm. our little—we would have our little three-round campaigns, and our little three-round campaigns was basically, an, you know, a narrative event. Depending on who won this, we'd go to the next event and or the next uh, scenario, and you'd get bonuses or, or or benefits or whatever, you know, based on how you played in the last game. Um, It doesn't have to be a string of games, although it really lends itself to it. It can be as simple as, "Hey, I liked that story." Now, and let me back up here. If you're not really keen on, you know, because I know, especially when we first started playing this, when we didn't have all these battle plans, you know, like you were kind of you didn't want to step on anyone's toes, like coming up with all sorts of crazy narrative stuff, because we didn't, you know you didn't know when you were overdoing it or making it one side too powerful or too you know what i'm saying remember that when we didn't quite know what we were doing mm-hmm. uh and if you're still in that if you're still in that place you're still a little wishy-washy not certain what you're doing you can just grab the battle plans that that are in like every book i mean there's lit- there's got to be a hundred of them almost now
1: yeah it's pretty close cuz in this there's like 17 different ones for the narrative, six for match play, and then each of the campaign books has... Has
0: six at least, I think, in
1: each of those. Nine to 12 each Is it nine to 12? Okay. It's a high number, because there's like three per section, and there's usually like three sections in the Realm Gate Wars. So you're looking at nine to 12 each of the Realm Gate Wars series, plus the war, or the initial Age of Sigmar book, plus three in every...
0: Uh, Battle Tome, Battle
1: Tome that they've put out. So yeah, you have a ton of different ways to play, or at least starting points. Because they talk about one of the scenarios where um, it's Scarbrand versus a bunch of uh, Seraphon or Stormcasts or whichever.
0: The yeah, point I, is, yeah,
1: it's just you can then adapt it to being like a Star Drake fighting off a, bo- a mob of Bone Splitters or. Something like that. So it's not just you have to take the things from the storyline that they've written. It's you can adapt it to the models that you guys have in your collections. So there's a lot of room for adaptability in the narrative place. So it's not just oh, I have to do Rot bringers versus Hollowed Knights. You can mix it up a little bit. You know, just clear it with your opponent like they
0: But even then, when you read the battle plans, most of the battle plans don't list the armies you have to take. They're just listing the rules based off of that story. If you don't feel like you could write up your own battle plan, run with theirs. Once you start Mm -hmm. to feel confident, start making adjustments to theirs. Once you start feeling really confident, start making up your own. And they literally say this in the book. You know, you don't have to use ours. If you feel good about it, make up your own. The only rule is... As long as everybody coming up to the table agrees to them, they're legal. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you want to you want to talk about a realm we haven't written rules for yet? You want a time of war rules? I mean, I remember what was it months ago? Curry was talking about back when we they were when everyone was getting to the Mo Comp and the South Coast GT Comp. I remember Curry saying, you know, he would love to see where every few months they sort of change it up and say, okay, we're going to drop the price on all the monsters now or make the monsters more powerful because it's monster, you know, it's it's the summer of monsters. And so suddenly monsters are just boom, you know, and that's, I mean, that's basically a time of war set of rules, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, without calling it that, that's what it was. We're going to have a time of war where all these things get extra bonuses mm-hmm. and throw it out there and, that's 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 all it is. I mean, follow them, make them up your own. You have an idea, want to see how it play out? You read a story in one of the uh, legends, short stories, or one of the books, or you you know in those the, the little what is it the little Doctor Who language time rings uh, timelines they have in the different books. You read one of those little paragraphs that sounded cool. That might be cool. Let's see if we can make that battle. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's here's the sandbox. Play play in it um you know i i i 'm repeating myself at this point, but that 's this is the kind of stuff I love like seriously, I had that whole darn campaign. It took me a good month to write it all out before, and like like when I finished and was ready to start it with everybody around here back when n w two had more than like me and two other people in it, um and we were all going to do this campaign, and I had all these rules for. Gaining experience with your units and gaining experience with your general. I'd written all, because I like to write that type of stuff up. I find it fun. And then end times came and we said, well, let's wait and see what happens. And now it's completely useless. But um, they've got stuff like that now because they've got this uh, Path to Glory, which is a similar, much more simplified type of thing. Because just basically, hey, if you like writing game stuff, write something for this, put your models on the table. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and the only thing that I didn't particularly care for with the Path to Glory is that it doesn't incorporate every faction. It's only the stuff that they've talked about in AOS in the storylines that they've created thus far.
0: Which kind so. of was, yeah, because even the, um, I, in fact, I got a new player coming in. Not a new player, but someone who literally hasn't played since like the third week of 8th edition. Not because they didn't want to play, but because they went away to college. Yeah, And I, I saw them on Monday at the Renaissance Fair, just walked past them, have not seen them since the third week of AOS. And I just walked right past them at the Renaissance Fair. I was like, Mikey? And he's like, he looks over, he's like, Witek. And I'm like, what are you doing? And we're like, we need to hook up. And he's like, oh, my God, do you still play? I'm like, I still do the show. And he's coming back to play, but he plays Ogres. And <clears throat> Luke, you know Luke. Yeah. On the 18th at UGG, he's starting a Path to Glory monthly meetup campaign and but it's got to be in the path to glory and this kid still got his ogre army there ain't no ogres listed in here no so it's like ugh. well he really only wants to play ogres so well you know what we'll get him started low and slow and we'll get him back to normal gaming but yeah that's the only beef i had too was it's literally only got a certain number of I forget who's in here. I forget who's on the list, but it ain't everybody.
1: Yeah, there's you don't you get chaos, yeah. all the different variants of chaos, um, Stormcast, Fire Slayers, Skaven and all of their variants. Iron Jaws, Sylvaneth,
2: and, and then Death.
1: Death. So there's a lot in here that I would really love to see them flesh out. Um I understand why it's just the ones that they have right now. And
0: they will. I'm certain they will. Mm -hmm. whether they come on as supplements or when the next General's Handbook comes out, because there's going to be another one. I mean, we know for a fact there's going to be another one sooner or later. Um, And I'm not rushing it. I mean, this thing's only been out two months, you know? Um, Yeah, we uh, should,
1: like, play with it and see what happens first.
0: Uh, And you know what? The cool thing is we've got this here. If somebody really wanted to play... You know, we could sit down and look at this and be like, okay, let's take a look at kind of what they've done and see if we can't write something up similar. I yeah. mean, if you want to, heck, I'm certain if someone talked to Tyler Mangle and dragged him away from his uh, Tomb Kings for twenty minutes, he—I mean, you've seen what he's written up.
2: Oh yeah, it's the guy great wrote stuff.
0: a whole. The guy wrote a whole battle tome. You know, between him and Darth Alec, doing the entire uh, end times into AOS battle plans you know somebody can write up an ogre uh uh you know uh one of these uh ogre uh, paths to glory or or, mm-hmm. or for a different army i'm certain there'll be a tomb king one out from tyler any day now
1: yeah if he's not already done it yeah i'm yeah exactly
0: so um and I, and I like this. I'm looking, at and it's so fun because it's like war bands with four to six units. That's all it is. It's, you get a war band and four, five to seven units if you're the Iron Jaws. Um, yeah, it
1: just depends on the champion that you take.
0: Um, right. The tougher the champion, the fewer units that back him up. So the the harder your hero is, the less units he's got backing him up off the bat because he's hard enough himself. He's going to cause enough mayhem. It's 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 got. It's not Mordheim small because they're actually units, not individual guys. But the units are still pretty small. So it's, it's kind of like a large... It, it almost feels to me like a large-scale Mordheim.
1: Yeah, it's got... Does that make that, sense? Yeah, it's got more of a feel for me like um, Lord of the Rings. Um,
0: that kind of I, volume. I didn't play that as much, but you're probably right.
1: Yeah, my... And the
0: thing is, a lot you of people... Usually are. No, no, I'm not. No, I mean, I'm, when we come, dude, you, you, dude, you nail this stuff on the head. You yeah. really do.
1: Um, I think the big thing is that a lot of people will look at the charts and see, oh, Stormcasts have, you know, six different options to get ten Liberators or whatever, while the Sylvaneth gets stuck with five things. I think the important thing to understand is you have to play scenario games when you're doing this particular style, especially with narrative, is that it's not just about, you know, the perceived balance imbalance between the war bands. It's about telling a story and having fun. So that's what this is about as opposed to trying to get fair and even play. And even if you do like something like a match play equivalent, this is still not going to be a hundred percent accurate, but it's more going to be about getting out, playing games, telling a story and having fun as opposed to coming up with something balanced and fair. You're right. going to have to do scenarios to make that work.
0: Because the two the two battle plans for Path to Glory here are definitely based for, you know, for for a fun interesting you it's not you're not just running into crack skulls on here. You've got to really run around and figure out how to get the the your little objectives done and your and your thing done. Um mm-hmm uh it's it's liter- it's it this isn't a, uh just run forward and smash face there's there's definitely they they uh they want you to to have missions and have a plan uh the path to glory isn't just uh last man standing the path to glory is a quest mm-hmm. and um it's 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 great though i mean from i mean you know we complained about the limited choices in the campaign here for who you can pick but, you know, you choose your champion, and like we said, depending on how tough or how weak he is, and it's not necessarily weak, but if you're just picking a lord, he's going to get, like, six units, whereas if you pick a lord on a giant monster, he's only going to get four because he that, that guy's, you know, the giant monster winds up taking some choices away. Uh, and then as you win, you start to generate, you can generate more followers. Uh, and it's cool because when you win, you literally roll a dice and uh, – Either you get more followers or your champion gets a reward or some of your followers get bonuses. So it depends. And, and the whole point of the game is to earn, like, glory points. So you're trying to win glory points. In fact, one of the things in the beginning of the game is um, if you choose purposely to take less units than you're allowed, each unit you opt not to take is a free glory point. So you start off right off the bat ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're starting off with a smaller army.
1: Right. And it's one of those things that you can spend them later to get bigger armies if you decide that's the way you want to go. But it's one of those things that you could set this up to be like, okay, you get to pick one champion and then you pick or you roll on one one time on the hero follower table. So you get like a lieutenant or a second in command and then you go for guys after that. So there's a lot of flexibility in how you decide how to use this chart.
0: Yeah. I mean once again, it's 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 another sandbox. They're giving you so many little options and saying, "Okay, this is how we've got it set up." Um but I mean everybody tinkers. Everybody tinkers to make it the game that you want it to be. And Yeah, uh, but
1: this is where they're giving you the start for it. Yeah. So this is, again, putting the impetus on the players to make this the game that they want to play. And that's kind of a crazy thought with GW.
0: I would not be surprised to see expansions for this coming out in your White Dwarf or um, in other places.
1: Especially with the new format for White Dwarf, how it's gone a lot more content-heavy instead of just a rag with what's coming out the next week. It's an actual, like, content-focused magazine.
0: Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So um, what's next after the Path to Glory, which I loved? Map campaigns. Okay, I was expecting Mighty Empires. This is not Mighty Empires. I want to play some more Mighty Empires. I'm going to have to figure out and adjust it. I'm going to have to go take what's here. Mm-hmm. And make some adjustments to fix it so that we can get a mighty empires campaign going at some point. Yeah, um, their map campaign. Of course, they went and took a, 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 um, a, a, you know, a shattered dominion board, and put lots of cool pieces of terrain all over it. And then took a photo of that and made that their map because you know they're better than me. And <laughs> and uh, the map's got twelve different places on it and then as people battle you can battle over different realms and whoever wins there they get bonuses whenever anyone else fights there because they control that area um, you know it's, it's not that much different necessarily from the concept of Mighty Empires it's just basically hey make your own map like the, you know they didn't try to limit the, themselves into a you know, a mighty empire's map. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they, they're promoting, you know, Hey, using it on one of their battle boards and throwing down their different cool bits of terrain and naming those different places. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, there's cool stuff. Um, now I'm reading this though. And I was like, okay, um, you choose your battlefield. You do other stuff. Conquest. At the end of each month, the player who has won the most battles at a location gains control of it, gaining that location's special campaign ability for the following month and getting ten victory points. In case of a tie, each tied player gets five victory points, but no one gains the ability. Now, this this map they made looks like four tiles, so it's a four by four foot, you know, board. They put all this terrain down. They took a photo of it. There are twelve locations so you get a bunch of players and they they recommend six months for your first campaign and
1: it's a long time
0: (laughs) and basically play as many games as you can get in per month and so whoever has the most victories so you could conceivably be playing at a bunch of different of these locations in a bunch of different battles so you want to get in as many battles as you can, as as many different locations as you can, to try and control more locations because you can get more points that way. And then after six months, whoever has the most points wins the campaign. And if you control a location, you get that campaign ability. Um, now it doesn't say if you get it only if they're fighting at that place, or if they're, or if, uh, or if you get that everywhere because you control that. You know that section. Uh, I suppose that's up to the campaign. You know, people running that campaign. But that's that's. I mean, wow. That's that's huge. I mean, that's assuming that you got a lot of time and people gonna be playing a lot of games.
1: Hmm. Yeah, you definitely need a dedicated group to do
0: something like this. <laughs> yeah, it would be awesome though. It would be so awesome.
1: It would be great, but. Not everyone has a dedicated group that could do something like yeah, that. We yet. had
0: our campaign, it was like get in one game in every two weeks so we can move the campaign along on Mighty Empires to so someone get to ten damn points and and uh that that took a good, you know, three, four months and, and we were playing a game every two weeks, so. hmm. But um yeah, I mean look this up if it's uh, it's on pages eighty six and eighty seven in the book if you have the time to look for it. Um it is really cool. And if you like to make up maps, that is another cool thing. Because The nice thing about their map campaign, though, with that picture and with that, is you just say where you're fighting, and then you just have a battle. You can set up any type of battle you want. You can literally mm-hmm. just meet up and play any anything in this book, any type of battle, You know, as long as you guys agree to it in your campaign, right. is cool. I mean, you could play uh, something from a skirmish level anyway up to a huge battle and say, well, that's what we wanted to play when we met up. That's how the battle went. I won in this realm. Mm-hmm. Which is very cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it takes a little dedication to make up the map and do it that way, whereas in Mighty Empires, everyone's got to be in a spot and you got to move around and stuff. So, it's less restrictive but a little more uh, labor-intensive, I think, with the, with the other type of map. Mm-hmm. All right. Um then we get to tree campaigns, and t- tree campaigns are cool. That's kind of what Chris and I we used to do. Right. Start a scenario, and if one guy wins, you go to this one. If the other guy wins, you go to that one, and the winner gets a bonus. Um, and then if he wins, he continues to get a bonus, and if he loses the next one, then uh, if it's a huge victory for the guy who lost the first game, if he turns it around – then he gets a little bonus. If he just wins or draws, then you just basically just take away the guy who won the first game's bonus.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it's you can do a campaign with just you and one of your friends. It doesn't necessarily have to be a group of guys to do this.
0: Right. That's so, yeah. Tree campaigns are great for just two people. You know. Mhm. And um, you get that. You know, it's like okay, I, you know, this is this actually almost goes back to that rolling on the triumph table on the in the main rules except now you've got them already set up. If you win, you get this, because that helps helps with our with our story, with our narrative, instead of it being a random bonus. But it's sort yeah. of like that. I won, I get the bonus. Okay, cool. And then this is the next place with the next thing. Um, I've played these a bunch of times. I love them. I love tree campaigns. I never called them tree campaigns, but maybe that's what they are, and I do enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they give you the rules. So They set one up, and there's uh, basically... Uh four or five different wait two
1: There's a bunch. There's like six.
0: Oh there's six. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's six different uh and it's a three game campaign. But there are mm-hmm. six different uh six different uh games you could you could wind up playing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um Yeah, and it's you can play
1: the scenario multiple times If you go through the campaign Depending on who wins and loses the games Yeah. So there's tons of replayability Because this game This campaign could be over In as few as three games Or it could take quite a bit longer
0: I think once you get off that first board It really only does go three games If you look at the way they have their map set up mm-hmm. um, wait, st- Because you win that first one You go to the second, third uh, no, the most it would go is four once you get off that first one. If you draw on that first one, you keep going back and keep playing the first until someone has a decisive victory. But after that, mm-hmm. it's, there's three more games max. Mm. Yeah, because you go down to the one, and if the guy, if, if, basically if anyone wins two in a row after that first battle, they've won everything. After that, if there's a draw, then it moves to that final decisive middle battle where they go back to the beginning with no bonuses. But either way, I mean, there's, you can set it up however you want, where you have to get that decisive double victory, and if you don't, things just keep rolling back and forth. I mean, and that's cool, because that whole... If you look at it in the book, if anyone's interested, um, their, their whole story is you're basically two rival warlords uh, competing in this area. And uh, there's I guess there's two, two realm gates near these places, and you're both fighting over these two realm gates... And uh, trying to get the advantage over the other. And uh, it, it winds up where um, if you're winning and you get those bonuses, cool. And, if, and if, at some point, if it becomes a draw or if you lose, you wind up right kind of back where you started uh, with, no, um, with no, uh, no bonuses. And actually on that last one, that return to Verdigree Plains, if you read that last game in the scenario... Uh, you know, if the first guy wins, you know, that if the guy player A wins, he wins the campaign. Player B wins the campaign. If the battle's a draw, the whole darn campaign's a draw. You two just cannot get the upper hand on each other. And I was like, oh, there you go. Mm hmm. So, I mean, you could, I mean, I like how they kind of set that up, but they did, they made a story out of it. Now, this next one is one, and this is the last one in the, uh, Narrative is the the Matrix campaigns. I've never actually played a Matrix campaign.
1: Yeah, I've not either. And like, I looked at it and I said, "Whoa!"
0: And you know what? I first looked at it and it looked really complex, and then I kind of realized what this is. And I like, I like the concept of it. And as long as I don't have to drop the Matrix on it, then I'm cool with it. Basically, think back to in Eighth Edition when you deployed, okay. Sometimes you're looking at your enemy and you deploy everything all the way on the back table edge. You know, like when you're playing against your enemy and they don't want, you know, you got a lot of shooting and stuff, long-range shooting, and you don't want them getting near you, so you just deploy all the way back on the back table edge. Or some guys deploy everything on the 12-inch line because their whole plan is to run forward. Some guys deploy everything into one, you know, one on the left flank. Some guys deploy everything on the right flank. Some guys deploy even in the middle, right? And that's your whole deployment plan sort of sets the mood for your game. In a Matrix campaign, before you get to the table, you pick one of these things. And in this one that they have laid out for you, you basically pick... Your, and and they, they kept it with those two those two warlords for the two realm gates in the last campaign. Mm-hmm. And either you pick A, I'm going to advance and rush across the plains and engage the enemy. That's... Deploying on the 12-inch line. I'm going to swing around the flank and advance through the Grim Crags. That's flanking on the left. I'm going to swing around the flank uh, uh, by the river, flanking on the right. You know, putting deploying all the way on the right. I'm going to hold my position and gather additional troops. And that's deploying all the way on the back board line. And then there's send out scouts to spy on the enemy. And that's if you've got, you know, scouts, you know, to, to deploy around there. That's your your five sort of different ways of playing your deployment. But you pick this first, and when you both pick, then you consult the Matrix. And so if I'm sitting there trying to kind of get sneak off to your left, and you also sneak off to the left, then suddenly you have an unexpected encounter because we're both trying to sneak, and we meet each other there, and we don't expect to meet each other. So boom. that's yep. because, So you both kind of pick and then throw it out, and then now there's new rules for the game based on how you – planned to take the field so it's basically the deployment phase of the old game and you basically choose it ahead and it actually has rules and effects on how the game is going to turn out because it's I mean am I making sense does this make sense Alex do you think people are, are am I am I saying this clearly enough
1: I think it's one of those that you're picking what your army is going to kind of do, not necessarily how you deploy on the table.
0: No, not how you deploy on the table, but I'm just, yeah. just kind of comparing it, because this is what I thought of. It's like, you used to just do this deployment on the table, and it really did affect how the game was played. Now, instead of doing it on the table, you're saying, this is what I'm planning on doing on a much larger scale, and then you check what it does, and it gives you special rules for the engagement on the board.
1: Yeah, and when it says engagement, it's like, you can do mortal wounds to units on dice rolls depending on, like, setting up traps or whatnot. So it's more of, like, pregame stuff as opposed to during the game, like something will happen. This is what happens when you set up the game. So sure. you're creating these more dynamic moments as opposed to...
0: Yeah, I guess I'm thinking of it more in the... I'm thinking the narrative... Uh, I'm describing more of how it's imagined... Like, As we do actual yeah, gameplay. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, maybe you don't, um, but I mean, basically, this is the the uh, story behind what the Matrix campaign is actually doing. You know, this is sort of when I was reading, I'm like, oh, this is basically what used to happen in gameplay. This is now becoming a story. This is becoming part of the story of the game before the game goes in, and it gives you some extra in-game bonuses.
1: Yeah, and it's it creates a little more variations this way. Again, no game is the same. Yeah. So, And this is something that you could even apply to um, any sort of a match play event or something like that to add a little bit of variation. Again, take your game and run with it. So you can definitely mix and match all these different parts together. And this is something that could easily be done in any sort of, just even just a pickup game setting. It's just like, hey, do you want to try this? Sure. Let's do it and go for it.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, because this is just really...
1: This is something that I would want to play, like just in general. Yeah. Even if it's not part of a campaign, but just something to do something a little different and add a little extra variety to games. So this is something that you could see replayability outside of a campaign setting. So, and if you are doing a campaign, then this creates more dynamic battles and different ways of setting up the game as opposed to just line it up and go. Yeah.
0: Here, let me just give you sort of an ex- Let me throw in an example here before we there say you go. this is the That'll last one. Um, let's say you decide that you're going to do one of these flank attacks. You're going to go flanking by advancing through the grim crags, okay? Yep. And the other guy is just like, forget it. I'm just... Charging straight forward, okay? So the Mm -hmm. guy who's charging straight forward basically has no real effect whatsoever. He's just playing. The guy who is going around, he gets two bonuses. One is the flank attack because he came around the flank, and the other guy didn't do anything that would stop the flank attack. So when he's setting up, he can say that a unit is making a flanking march. If you do, place it to one side set it up in your first hero phase anywhere within six inches of any edge of the battlefield, more than nine inch from the enemy models. That's its movement for the for the phase. So basically you can put it anywhere within six inches of any board edge, nine inches from the game. So basically they're coming in from somewhere because they flanked. You can pick, uh, you can say a unit is doing that. But because you decided to march right forward and I sent these guys out, you know, to run To do an end run Around you They also got delayed So you ran right On the battlefield We weren't there yet Roll a dice Before setting up Each unit of your army On a one or two Place it to the side It arrives in your First hero play phase And must be set up In your territory With all models within six inches Of the edge of the battlefield And that's its moving phase We've seen that before You know when it comes on late In some of the old Sets of rules mm-hmm. uh, And that's what happens If one guy charges And one guy tries to flank Um Yeah You know, we've had one where both tries to flank and you get unexpected encounter. They both basically, like I said, they both went up the crags together. They both, when setting up, units can be set up anywhere in their own territory. They don't have to be more than 12 inches from enemy territory. However, the players must roll a die for each unit at the start of the first hero phase. On a one or two, they've been surprised by the sudden appearance of the enemy and cannot move, attack, cast spells, or use abilities that turn. So, like, all sorts of different things can happen. If you hold your position, you might get reinforcements. Um, if you go around that uh, crazy river area there's the treacherous path. So the one had the uh, delayed. The other one has treacherous path. So instead of uh instead of having to uh set up off uh at, you know end the end of your battlefield. This one is roll the dice after setting up each of your units on a 1 or a 2 they take mo- d3 mortal wounds. I guess they fell in the river. Mhm. So um I mean there's just all sorts of stuff like that. Uh that unexpected encounter, you can also have surprise attack, which is uh if you actually get that uh get your, you know, surprise move off on them, then your opponent has to do that roll and they're the only ones that does it, that do it. And then they're the ones who on a roll of 1 don't get to move for the turn. So there's all sorts of cool stuff that can come up that can that would totally work as, you know, part of that whole fog of war. So that was a really long and convoluted way to explain it, but I just I keep picturing that in my head going, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, and if you've got the handbook in front of you, definitely it's on page ninety six ninety seven and give it a shot. This is something that can really add a lot of dynamic to your game and can really make it much more interesting.
0: And throw in a time of war and a couple of battle plans too, and then really just and then throw in a bunch of terrain and use the terrain rules. It'll take you four days to finish, but it'll be so cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, You know, let's take a break again because it's about that time. And uh, when we come back, it is going to be time to talk about matched play because Lord knows that's important, too. So we will be right back, folks. And we are
2: back.
0: Yep, yeah. Uh, okay, I hope my explanation of the Matrix campaign wasn't too much, but I swear as I read that, I was just picturing all of the different ways you could tactically deploy in a regular game, and that was all of your choices. was like tactical deployment choices had an effect on the rules of the game, except you weren't actually doing that tactical deployment. You were just saying that's my plan as the general, and this yeah. is the effect it had, so... I guess that was a lot quicker yeah. this time than I should have just said it that way, but whatever.
1: Yeah, but it, you create the visual when you call out what you're doing, though. So it's not just that you're doing this. You're creating the visual. It's like, okay, I can see my troops going over the crags. Oh, wait, but the other guy's coming around on the river. So there's a lot of things that really kind of play into it that you can see in your head.
0: Exactly. And thanks for backing me up on that. I appreciate it. I do what I can. <laughs> All right, matched games. So here's the part that everybody turned it to right away. Um, you know, hey, if you want to play with points, if you want to play and have that whole feeling of, you know, everything's equal, here's your section. Um, if you got those friends who said, no points, I'll never play this game again, and it's been a whole year, and if they, for some reason – You know, if they're not that dedicated to the game they chose to play for a whole year outside of this game, hey, here's some points, come back. Um, I'm not trying to poo-poo this section. I think it's great that there's points now. I think it makes things a lot easier. I mean, let's be honest, Um, the tournament scene needed something like this. Um, That's what the pool system was. The pool system was just a different kind of point system and yeah. you know i mean the game needs points i'm not trying to make fun of it i just everybody know i don't i only go to two to three tournaments a year i sit around in my house narrative gaming all the time so i didn't worry too much but every, i think everybody can agree points are good um if you just want to throw out hey let's just do you know if you i'm not i'm not saying if you want to just be lazy uh, you know cuz you don't want to go through all the narrative and building up all this stuff but if you you can just say listen bring 15 bring 2000 points we'll play 1500 okay you can yeah. i mean you can cut it down to that one sentence and your opponent at least has an idea of what to do whereas you know bring some models is going to be a lot more of a conversation when you show up there's a lot less of a conversation when you show up if you if you just grab the points and run, you know,
1: I think realistically how I how I've tried to look at this is that matched play is the entry for a lot of people because there are a lot of people that want that structure that want that kind of arbitrary not to set it on by the players prior to or that conversation. They like having that rigid structure that points and an organization chart give you. I think that's the entryway, and, and it then also it's... helps
0: if you're showing up on club night. I mean, if you have yeah. a club night, it's much easier than showing up with all your models and saying, "Okay, who wants to play?" And then you're spending all this time looking at what the other guys got and trying to figure out what a fair or fun game would be. If it's club night and everyone's bringing twelve hundred, and we're going to get a bunch of quick games in, you know, you know what everybody means. I mean, that's you know. Points ain't necessarily about fairness or balance or any of that stuff. Points is about knowing what everybody's bringing and having something along the lines where we all know what we mean.
1: Right. And I think it's a good entry point for players because then once you get used to the mechanics of AOS, you get used to how things are and you really start to become invested, that's when you can start to switch to the narrative play for the people that want to do the points stuff. It's just getting them excited about playing games and trying things and then take it from there. Sure. So I think it's a good way to at least set the hook and then take it from there. And realistically, as soon as you start talking with your opponent about what you want to be playing, you're instituting some sort of comp into your games of AOS. Once you start having that conversation. This is just a different form of that conversation. So, so it's earlier just a matter
0: of, Yeah. Earlier when we first Started talking about the book, and we said open play is like the best way to bring in brand new players who've never played war games or younger players, maybe because you can just throw it down and play Uh, points. Best way to bring in players who are experienced war gamers, I would think so. Or people that had experience because every other game on the planet pretty much has points. I mean, for the most part, yeah.
1: And that was a big turnoff for a lot of players when the switch made from eighth to aos was that there was no points there was no comp oh it was weird i mean yeah it's a huge change
0: i mean and we made points for it i mean because it needed points if you wanted to play in tournaments and it was even weird for those of us who didn't mind not having it because we're just playing in our basements it was still weird i mean yeah
1: so this is something to appeal to that and then bring them back in i know that at least in my community, since the MASH play has come out, we've had more people come in and express interest in AOS and are really getting involved now, which is a great thing because more players is obviously more better.
0: All right. So, now, did you look at this ladder campaign? or ladder- Yeah, I've seen
1: it. Um, the Malifaux guys in my local area did something like this um, with their league last year. Um I didn't see it taking off particularly well. Um, it just seems like it's a lot more, I don't know, it seems a little too rough around the edges for me.
0: Okay, here's here's my beef, because it's not a bad idea, okay? And for anyone who hasn't read this, here's it's the ladder of command, okay? Here's how it works. Everyone's going to get a game in this weekend. We all show up, we all play our games. You sign up, and you just sign up your names on the ladder. So if someone signs up first, they get spot number one. Next guy gets spot number two, and everyone gets a spot, right? First guy to sign up gets top of the ladder. Why? Because you signed up first. Congratulations. You jumped in. You're the number one top guy. Guy signs up last. You're on the bottom of the totem pole. Number two and number six play a game. If number six wins, him and two swap spots. If number two wins, six stays where he is. Two moves up a notch And bumps the guy above him Down one spot That's basically how it works If you don't play your game in the allotted time You drop to the bottom of the ladder Because you didn't play at all and you got knocked to the bottom of the ladder And you just keep playing a number of rounds Or time and then you see where people are at I'm like okay this isn't bad But if I tried to institute this With our old gaming club The ones we were playing Mighty Empires with I would have the most headache. I would get so many calls. And I I saw it right away. I I would get this call. Listen, I don't want to complain, but what happens if I'm in spot number one and the guy who's playing, who's number two, plays his game before me and wins and suddenly he becomes number one and I get bumped to number two? And then before I could get my game in, through no fault of my own, because the guy I'm playing with can't, can't play until Friday, number three plays with number five, and he wins. And suddenly I'm bumped down to number three. And when I play my game, even if I win, all I do is bump three back to three, and I'm at number two. And suddenly all three of us won, and I've lost a space. That's not fair. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that isn't fair. And how do you fix that? And I don't know. So I ain't going to play this way that's just me unless unless somebody's going in unless i'm missing something that whole bumping up a spot and bumping down a spot when you win unless there's some way to set this up or figure this thing's out the fact that you're randomly set on this ladder right off the bat is going to cause headaches with some of the people i game with because <laughs> the, you know and now and maybe that's that competitive side coming out but this is in the match play section which is for the you know, for competition stuff, you know? And I just looked at that rule and said, that's going to make people that I game with annoyed because mm-hmm. there's too many ways to game that, you know? Either get your game in quick so you can bump quick or get your game in. If I'm a number one, if I will get my game in quick, then I should be able to bump into a safe zone. And say, so, oh, okay, you know what? I'm just, literally just reading this. I'm like, I'm seeing all the things that I'm going to hear If I try to run this from the people I'm with and not because they're gamey rules lawyers or I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying the you know, the question popped into my head. How does that work? You know, uh, I know it's going to pop into theirs. And the person who gets bumped down two or three notches before he even plays a game because the people right behind him were, you know, in that particular order playing their games and winning. You know, what are the odds that two plays and wins, and then three plays and wins, and then four plays and wins, and you get knocked down three spots? I don't care what the odds are. If it happens, I've got headaches. Mm hmm. So that's just me personally. It's the only thing in this book that I read that I was like, okay, pass. And that's just Yeah, I me. would concur. Okay. So I'm not crazy. Well, it, not I'm, on this. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Got you. All right. Um,. So then we get over into tournament games and pitched battles, and pitched battles are what we've you know we've all been playing for years. Um, so they've got you know the different levels of ba- vanguard, battle host, war host, uh, one thousand, two thousand, twenty five hundred. Hey, do you have any idea where we're going to be playing at? What level we're going to be playing at at Acon? Probably two K. Two K. So a battle host. So okay. Now um, they threw in these three rules of one, and I know automatically people are already like, "We're going to house rule that." And I said, "Great, you know, I I think house rules are fine. That's what tournaments do. That's everything tournaments do. Every time mm-hmm. you put out a rules pack, that's a bunch of house rules. Because if you just play any game straight by the rules pack, I, I mean, most games people house rule something. Heck, I house rule settlers of Catan. Everybody house rules Monopoly if you still play that. You, you wind up.
1: Whatever, you do, um, I guess.
0: Don't you? No. You never house rule Monopoly.
1: The only thing that we don't do is that you can't like wheel and deal just to stay alive, just to keep prolonging the game.
0: You so if someone lands on a property and chooses not to buy it, you have an auction.
1: Um, I haven't played Monopoly in a while. There you go. I Usually start. Yeah, because yeah, nobody
0: likes that game. But either way- I
1: actually really like Monopoly. It's just. I get accused of cheating because <laughs> no 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 hang nope. on bear with yeah me the you know it's a game of total random freaking chance but I for whatever reason always get the two purple ones so it's baltic and mediterranean and because those build quickly I hit people really quick before they start to build a lot of money cuz once they come off go they just hand me the money so People don't like playing against me because, like, for whatever reason, I get the purple ones right away. I'm sorry that that happened,
0: Slumlord Alex. That's your new nickname. There you go. All do right. not
1: go there. That's a bad idea. Okay, such a bad idea. <laughs> um, but they do talk about um, with like tournament packs that the tournament makes their own pack. You read the pack and you decide if you like it and play or don't. So rules of one. You know there are some particular exceptions that I don't. I particularly agree with, like, Lord Croak. His spell, he should definitely cast that more than once. That's what
0: he does. I was surprised when they FAQ'd it that way, because that you either got to lower his points or let him cast the spells, and we'll see when the General's Handbook comes out if they wind up changing his points or if they wind up changing his rules somewhere. Um, I got a feeling if enough people go to the Facebook page and say, dude, you really need to rethink that and let him do that. Or else drop his points drastically. But really, they should just let him do it. Because if you drop his points drastically and only let him cast that once a turn, he's just. I mean, it, w- his whole thing is that he can cast that a bunch of times. That's like his thing. That's what makes him Lord Croak. Yeah, and I'm of the opinion that the.
1: Still, like from 8th edition mindset, that the army book trumps the main rule book. So I personally think that the war scroll entry will trump one of this particular rule of one on croak. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there are other things that come up with this issue, but I think that's the only big one that I can think of off the top of my
0: head. Next time I'm running something at UGG, if anyone asks if, if there's an FAQ, yeah, croak can cast that all he wants. I'm I'm definitely, yeah, That why not?
1: That's his thing. That's, that's his what thing. he's done. That's exactly. what he's always done. So – I mean, I understand why it's there, because they don't want to do Mystic Shield spam or any other various combos that you could do just by spamming. I get that, but this is Croak's thing, and it's not like it stays at the casting value. It gets harder every time he tries to do it.
0: Right. And that's like I said, the whole point was that specific question was does his entry because it says he can specifically. I mean, let's face it. It says in his it says in his rules he can he can only know that spell. And it also says he can cast four spells a turn. Well if he can only know that spell, then he can't cast four spells a turn. Correct. So his own rules don't make sense unless you allow him to cast that spell more than once. So but I'll get off the soapbox there. I'm certain someone if either GW will go back and change their mind on that FAQ or all the tournament people will just say, "Nah, let him do it." Yeah, not and maybe not all of them, but I mean, you know, I know, yeah. I know you are. I know Herner is, I know basically everybody I know who runs tournaments is saying let them do it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the you know, and I mean everyone's gone through this. The rules are one: basically, you can only attempt attempt any spell once per turn on your side, not once per wizard you can attempt it once per turn so if it fails you're done if it passes you're still done you get one time per spell per side um, uh, a one to hit wound save always fails um, and then uh, extra attacks and stuff like that uh, don't if you if you have something that generates extra attacks or extra hits or extra wounds if you roll and get those, those don't get to generate more. So that whole mm-hmm. thing with the uh what are they, the flying the fly The Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't
1: They actually mention that as the specific example of oh. this only happens once.
0: Yeah. Because that was crazy.
1: Yeah. And there are other things that do the generating the exploding sixes effect. Um Tomb Kings with righteous smiting get that and you could do that on archers so i would start with 40 shots and end up with like 60 something hits before uh, this came in so ah the reason is there and that's fine so yep just
0: so deal with it now they did lay down some rules here um Mm -hmm. which i think is which is pretty good um it it, it it went back to slots of all things.
1: Yeah, and they changed it a little bit. So it's not like it's Lord, Hero, Core, Special, Rare. It goes to Leader, Battleline, Artillery, Behemoth, and Other. So you still have your Core, you still have your heroes. Um, yeah, so but basically. Now they, but a hard. Go
0: ahead. No, go ahead. Finish with Santa.
1: But now they put a hard cap on your artillery count. They've put a hard cap on your monster count. So, But that's the only thing. So you still have to pay for what people have referred to as the core tax. Fine. It's different now, but sure.
0: What counts um, as a leader? Is, that's I mean, anything with oh, a that's hero a, keyword. Yeah, basically anything with a hero. And it, it will say leader in the...
1: In the entry. Yeah. In the
0: entry, too. Uh, at least, well, maybe not in the entry on the... On the war scroll, but it'll say it here on the profile here. Yeah, the battlefield roll. So basically, uh, your average 2,000 point game, which is what most of the tournaments seem to be playing, you can have one to six leaders. So you can have up to six heroes. Uh, You have to have at least three battle line troops. So you're back to that three unit core tax. Up to four artillery pieces, up to four behemoths. And then basically anything you want of anything else. Yep. And that's not bad. And, you know, I don't I have a problem with three battle line units. Yeah. The biggest thing
1: I think a lot of people need to get over is, like, core in old Warhammer was kind of your cruddy-duddy troops for the most part. But the thing is in AOS, anything can kill anything. Right. So even your junky quote battle line stuff is still plenty dangerous and can get some work done.
0: And depending on it, how you want to play it, too. Like, okay, for the Death Army zombies are battle line. Yep. Um, now take that a little bit further. Um, now, when they list the units in this thing, they'll list the minimum and the maximum sizes. So the minimum size is your basic, your uh, your 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 unit size, and then you can multiply that, you know, mu- you know, take multiples of that up to the maximum unit size. Um, so I think the zombies are ten and sixty, if I remember correctly. I'm looking for them real quickly here, and I'm not. I'm just taking forever to find them because
1: there they are. Yeah, ten for sixty.
0: So, where what page With is that on? Just so I can find it. Too. Uh,
1: one thirty-five. Yeah, it's Thank a you. minimum of ten, max of sixty. It's sixty points for ten.
0: Sixty points per ten. Now, if you only own seventeen zombies for some reason, let's say you bought a box of twenty and you lost three of them, um, it does say that if you don't have enough to field a full number of that unit, you still pay the full cost. So it's sixty per ten, um. If for some reason you only own seven and you decide to field a unit, you pay the cost for ten. That's the one rule. Um, I know, but so here's the thing. If I decide to use zombies for all three of my battle line units, I have to have three units, minimum ten. I can have three units of 60. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and once again, zombies in bigger numbers become kind of awesome. So that's not so little. It's it's just, it becomes a pain to move them all. That's your problem. You got to move them fast. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you spend half the game moving your models. Um, I've heard people say, "Why can't I just triple to ten to thirty and count that as three units?" Because that's that's not what you know. The the point is, they want to put you know have some models on the field.
1: Yeah, multiple units and realistically, playing these games when you look at the match play scenarios that they have in the book, you want more units than you do anything else.
0: Yeah, because you're grabbing objectives, you're doing other things. You need those extra units. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all really straightforward. I mean, if you've built an army unit before, if you've if you've written an army list, you can write one for these as well. Um, but yeah, you just the layout is three.
1: just different, though. Yeah, because you have to get used to the multiplier effect. Because I've had a lot of people like, "How do you make an army list in this? It doesn't make any sense. Do I take ten for sixty, or do I take sixty for sixty? Doesn't matter how big it is. It's like, guys, it's there on the page." It's just a different format than what we're used to.
0: Yeah. And I see – and I – you know what? The first time I read it, I asked myself the exact same thing. But I went back and read right here on the pitch battles page. Units can be taken in multiples of their minimum unit size as long as the models in an individual unit doesn't exceed the maximum size. Multiply the cost of the unit by the same amount as you multiplied its minimum size. So Mm -hmm. if if it's a minimum size 5, maximum size 20, and a point value of 100 – it can be taken in 5, 10, 15 or 20 for the cost of 100, 200, 300 or 400. It's literally right there on the on page on the page. So, um, you know, you can totally uh it's right it, it's, it's, it's 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 straightforward. I mean, you know, pick your army and uh they do throw some uh other things in their reinforcement points. Sometimes the spell or ability will allow you to add units to an army or replace units that have been destroyed. In a pitched battle, you must set aside some of your points in order to be able to use those units. That's your reinforcement points, and they're on your army roster. Each time a unit is added to an army during a battle, you must first subtract the number of points the unit would cost from your pool of reinforcement points. If there's not enough points to pay for the unit, you must either decrease the size of the unit until you have enough points or decide not to use it. Um... If you decide not to use it, the spell is still considered used. Spells or abilities that allow you to add models to existing units don't cost you reinforcement points. However, in a pitched battle, spells or abilities cannot increase the number of models in a unit to more than it had at the start of the battle. I.e., right. they can replacement So zombies, if you start off with a unit of 10, you can't end with a unit of 50. Now, if you start with a unit of 50 and you get depleted, you can build back up to 50. So you can't do what I used to do, which was start off with three units of 30 and end up with three units of of 80.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can mob up with zombies, but still anything that's death that replaces with banners, this doesn't hurt them. No, right. stuff like the Necropolis Knights or Tomb Kings, you can, with their spell that they give Death Wizards, they can add a model. You can't take a three-pack and turn it into a four-pack with that spell without paying for it out of your reinforcement points. But if it started at, let's say, six, and you lose three, you get one from the banner, and then you can put one back on the unit from the spell.
0: Right, and that doesn't count from your reinforcement points. Yeah.
1: And there are a lot of people that have said, you know, well, what's the purpose of summoning? Because I have to pay for it anyway, so where's my bonus? The bonus is that you get to essentially place units where you want further up the battlefield, and in the exact right position they need to be in. So there is an advantage to summoning. It is um, a
0: gamble though, because they're not on the it. field when the game starts, and if I can kill your wizard, they ain't ever coming out.
1: Yeah. So, and maybe that's why Nagash is so expensive and he gets like plus twelve million to cast. I mean, it that could be a reason, right? <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, Nagash is 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 he's a special case. I mean, let's face it. You you have to really try. You, your dice have to roll and and land on on a corner for him not to successfully cast and summon up a stupid amount of stuff. You know. Yeah,
1: but I think that's the point. Is yeah. that yeah. you know you get these characters that you know get multiples to cast and all that stuff that you get in death to you know make it a little more reliable. But it's not. Summoning has a place in the game. It's just they put a limit on it, so you have to be careful of how you use it, as opposed to just going willy nilly. I
0: like I said, I'm one of those people who didn't quite get the summoning thing, and I guess yes, you can, you can pick where you place them later, but not having them on the field right away. I suppose if they're very slow, you know, you'd want to move them around.
1: Yeah, and most things in death are slow, um, but again, it's also a lot of. For the longest time, we've been playing that summon units can't score on objectives. With uh-huh. this, they don't say that you can't. So there is that. Um, and then the other thing with demon players, a lot of the demon units benefit from the loci. So when they have the heroes nearby, so it's really easy to just shoot the heroes and they don't get those abilities. Whereas the greater demon, if the greater demon keeps the herald in their pocket until they're ready to pull them out. This way the unit gets the bonus at the exact right time. So there's some strategic thinking to reinforcement points, and summoning, you just have to think about it in a different way.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: So pro tip for those demon players, put the heralds in your pocket. They'll come out later.
0: See, and this is why... Like I said, this is why you're usually right. You're the guy that hits it on the head. I don't, I just, I'm like, oh, I don't see the point. Someone explain things to me. All right. It's okay. Uh, pitch Battle, they've got six scenarios in the book. Uh, you could look through it on your own. I mean, I, you know, I don't have to explain them all to you. Um,
1: and, and they're that, all great. Yep. I've played all of them. There's, I mean, a lot of people don't like escalation because it kind of chops your army up a little bit. But, yeah. Just deal with it.
0: It's got diagonal it's deployment. I think that's part of it. Diagonal deployment annoys people.
1: I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I've played Escalation a number of times, and I've never had an issue with it. But then again, I've been playing Cheater Stormcast for you know the last couple of months, and
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, so battle report, blabble, blabble. It's round four. Who shall prevail, blabble, blabble? Then we get to the points list. Uh, I'm not going to sit and comment on what points are right or wrong. You know, I look at this pitched battle army roster that I'm supposed to make a copy of. And, uh, wow, it just doesn't look like an army list. No. I mean, it is.
1: But it looks so different.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just like looking at it going, wow, that's your army list? Like, it just doesn't have 90%. of We had to write down so much stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And now we don't and And
0: it's a lot easier so um, that's everything except the allegiance abilities let's take a break come back and talk about the allegiance abilities because this is important and it's cool and it's awesome and we need to talk about it so let's take a break and do that real quick when we come back okay okay excellent We're back. Yes, we are. Yes, we is. Uh, <laughs> um Okay, so um, despite my saying I wanted to find a rule that I couldn't find, I know I read it. I mean, I, I was tired at work today, but I wasn't so tired in the heat that I fell asleep and dreamed about reading rules. I, I know that didn't happen, and I and if that I that doesn't
1: happen to you, okay. And if it I, happens to me, okay.
0: Um. Not at work. It doesn't happen to me. No. I have too many kids sitting right there watching me. I would get caught. Um, mm. All right. Allegiance abilities. Everybody knows what these are because they started popping up in, from the Sylvaneth book, and then they were in the... Uh, I Was it in the Iron Jaws book?
1: No. It was uh, Bone Splitters and Bone, Beast Claws. That's right.
0: Bone Splitters and Beast Claws. Right. So the three newest books got it. Um, uh, the good books, you know, Fire Slayers, Iron Jaws, you know, the ones that I like. Uh, they didn't get it because, you know, well, whatever, whatever for you. You don't want to give the dwarfs the love. I got you. So, um, but this book gave allegiances to the four main, um, you know, the the grand alliances. So now, you know, that's the umbrella, basically. So the four grand alliances each get uh, allegiance abilities. So even if your army didn't get one, now you got one.
1: Yeah. Um, The other thing to consider with the Allegiances is that it changes what may or may not be considered battle line for your particular army. Um, If you pick that particular allegiance, like if you pick Devoted of Sigmar and all the models in your army have the Devoted of Sigmar keyword, then Flagellants are battle line.
0: But isn't the Devoted of Sigmar, like, really short?
1: Yeah, it's uh, five entries.
0: Yeah. I mean that's that's part of it. A lot of these that they show in there, it's like, oh, you you had. I mean, they had to do that. They had yeah. to throw in that because they you know if you're only taking from here, somebody in that list better be uh, uh, better be a uh, um, battle line, a battle line. Yeah. What is that? The warrior priest, the witch hunter, the, the war altar war
1: priest, and the altar,
0: and and the flagellants. So yeah, so you got three heroes, and then they have to be battle line, because they're the only unit that isn't a hero.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there are some things it's like, if you went with a... If your themed army was devoted of Sigmar, you can't take allegiance abilities order, because you won't have any battle line troops. You'd have to be devoted of Sigmar. So, you have this army of raving lunatics, but you don't get these extra things. So, that... Is oh, only, I see
0: what you're saying. Yeah. So if you literally wanted to be devoted of Sigmar and not just had a, a devoted of Sigmar section in your order army. Yeah. Because once you go into an order army, now there are other battle line troops, but you'd have to pick them from uh, you know somebody else's list. Right. I see so, what I you're mean, saying. So, I mean, for
1: right now, we just have these... There's rumor coming out that there's a book that's gonna address all of these different allegiances. Um, not sure how hundred percent truth that is. I certainly hope so um, especially for like some of the bigger ones like Iron Jaws, fire Slayers, uh, those sorts of things that really kind of need that extra little love because they're meant to be standalones.
0: right. My you know, the only thing that I worry about, with that, or and I question how they could do it. Okay, so you've got your Devoted of Sigmar, and if you want to be Devoted of Sigmar, you know, if you have the Devoted of Sigmar allegiance, I mean, some of these little things that you can get that specific allegiance are literally three and four unit entries. Yeah. So are you going to give an entire allegiance chart to a four unit entry? Uh, and, and if two? so, that's cool. Is there a two unit entry?
1: Shadow Blades. For uh, Order, it's an assassin and Dark riders. That's it.
0: And and sh- uh, see? Yeah.
1: I mean, and granted, there aren't a lot of people that would voluntarily take an entire army of Dark riders and assassins.
0: But if you wanted to... I mean, there's the Lion Rangers, and that's White Lions and White Lion Chariots, but there's nothing in there that leads... List, there's no leaders, no anything. They're Green. just their own category. Like, you don't have an allegiance for that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but anything that does have that type of an allegiance that's short, I mean, there's a lot of them. I haven't gone through and counted them, but there's a lot of them.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a ton, and that's not including the compendiums, but it's just that hasn't happened yet for some of the larger ones right. that really should. Stormcasts, Seraphon, Fireslayers, Flesh Eaters, all that kind of stuff. They really should have their own, but they don't right now.
0: Right. So I see what you're saying, um, that if you choose to do something cool with one of those, then you lose the ability to have the cool order um, traits, because traits, you chose those as your battle line troops. If you choose the specialist battle line troops, you have to give up the generic um, the generic uh, allegiance abilities. I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah, that's my only guffaw. Well, it's one of the two guffaws I have with it. The only other one is like stuff like the Huracanum, um and the Frostheart Phoenixes or stuff like that. They you don't pay extra points, but the heroes on the back of those things. I don't know if that was a miss or something, but to do an anointed on a Frostheart Phoenix is the same points as a Frostheart Phoenix, even though you get the Witness to Destiny and an extra command ability.
0: So so, go to the Facebook page and ask them about that, and say, "Hey, should yeah. get points because that's the place to go." I mean, dude, when I was talking to them at Gen Con, they said, "Listen, if you find mistakes, you find issues, go right to the Facebook page and point that stuff out because those are the things that, they're you know, they they'll go in and they will make those adjustments and either FAQ it and, uh, for now it'll get FAQ'd and then when they come out with the new one." Hopefully they won't just leave it as an FAQ. They'll just make the adjustments right in the book, so that way they won't need an FAQ. Right, right. So let's take a look at these. Let's go through the four of these so we can get this show over with because this is our last segment, and then i got I got to go to bed at some point. So, All right, uh, Order. Order's got uh, – so everyone gets a battle trait, um, which I like. This I think this is cool. Um, and, you know, it all, I mean, all of this stuff works. Like for it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it fits. It fits the fluff. Um, basically, uh, theirs is called Defiant Avengers. Reroll battle shock tests for friendly order units within twelve inches of the general or another hero in the Battleshock phase. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, that twelve, you know, the uh, that that cool, you know, the battle, you know, the reroll battleshock uh, suddenly goes to any hero. Every hero suddenly has Inspiring Presence to reroll your Battleshock. So, uh, you know, not bad. That's free. Yeah. Everybody's got yeah, it. Even if you
1: don't get an Inspiring Presence unit where they don't have to take Battleshock, you still have a net, essentially, with your heroes that your army is not going to run away nearly as much as others would. Yeah. So it makes some things like the Lord Celestine on a Drakoth a little bit redundant. Yeah. Um, his twenty-four inch no battle shock. Why are you paying that much for something that you basically get for free?
0: Well, it's so, reroll battle shock. I'll take no battle shock over reroll battle shock. You know, all day. Yeah, just different way to look at it. Yeah, but I mean, you you take you take a bad enough wallop, even a one is going to lose your models. Right. You know, so I'll take no battle shock. So the uh, then you get the command traits. And I mean they're they're okay. Um, you know, once for battle, you can use two command abilities, two different command abilities, or you can use the inspiring presence twice in the same hero phase. Um, and that's we've seen that pop up a bunch. Um, you can pick the inspiring, so um, your general's uh, reroll battle shock test becomes twenty four inches instead of twelve inches. I wouldn't pick that probably. Um, reroll, run, and charge rolls within 10 inches of the general, like that. Um, tenacious, get an extra wound for your general. Uh, plus one attack on one melee weapon in each combat phase. You can change what weapon it is every combat phase, but you just can't make it the mount. And, um, The last one I like, it's basically a six-up ward against wounds and mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. So, depending on who you like to play, basically. I mean, none of them are earth-shattering, but, you know, a six-up ward ain't bad. No. And And these command
1: traits, um, you can either roll them or pick them. Just agree with your opponent first. Yeah. So, But, yeah, plus one to, like, wounds, especially when you get with some of the other combinations, like, Combining plus one wound with the
0: Phoenix Stone or anything like that. Total, yeah, that's the obvious one. The artifact, you know, heal wound suffered by the model in each hero phase. When you've got an extra wound, oh, that's beautiful. Just keep getting that extra wound back.
1: Or if you do like the legendary fighter with either the relic or the obstinate blades, um, so, so you get plus one attack on the weapon and then plus one rend or plus one damage. So if you have a more hitty character, you can make them extra hitty. Yep. Um, yep, and the only thing of note is like uh, named characters, the stuff that can be only one per army. Those sorts of models they Hilarial, can't take these.
0: Archeon, yeah,
1: Nagash. Yeah, they can't take these, so we can't make them even grosser than they Grom are. Grom
0: Brindle? Yeah, <laughs>
3: I
1: mean he doesn't have any points value yet. Yeah, I'll
0: just use my old one. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> Uh so artifacts I like the artifacts basically after you um, after you pick your general, then you can pick one hero, I guess including the general yep uh to get an artifact if you have war scroll battalions for every war scroll battalion, another hero can have an artifact so that 's nice you can sort of spread out the love if you have a couple of War Scroll Battalions. So, if you're paying for that, you're getting an extra artifact. Um, And as you said, you've got the um, I like the you get a potion. Use it once per battle at the start of the combat phase. This model attacks in the combat phase before any other models (coughs) and before the player whose turn it's taking place picks a unit to attack with. So, you can even use it during your opponent's turn. Beginning of the combat phase, I'm going first. This guy right here Going first, this hero,
1: yeah, and it's especially important if it's like a character on a dragon or something because then the dragon jumps order too, so it's a pretty handy item to have, yeah, but that depends on the character that you put it on,
0: yep, and if you're not taking that, like you said, you can take uh you know a blade that uh you pick and uh, I love the weapons here they don't get another weapon, it's just pick one of the weapons you already have, and it gets this this specialty so mm-hmm. you know pick a weapon and at one you know an extra rend pick a weapon um plus one damage pick a weapon um it's if they take a wound from this weapon and are not slain minus one from its hit rolls for the rest of the battle um and then this, they got this talisman at the start of a one once per battle. At the start of a combat phase minus one from any hit rolls for attacks made against the model in that combat phase. That's probably the least useful one I'm looking at.
1: It depends on your hero because I've had that on my knight Vexilor before with my stormcast, and a unit will pop up behind me like miners or an or a gore herd or something like that, and then they charge him intending to kill him before the banner flies. Oh. So then the, ba- the talisman triggers, he survives, pops his banner, and runs away. Okay. So it's got purposes. Again, it just, they're closet cases. None of these are earth-shattering items. Yeah. Until it gets to be like, oh, well, I'm Ren 6 as it is, and then, you know, just go from there. <laughs> but not that, not that that exists,
0: but so, you know what I'm saying. Why don't you take Chaos? Okay, so with
1: chaos, your battle trait is unpredictable destruction. Um, so, pretty much, you roll a dice when a chaos unit from your army attacks in the combat phase and is within eight inches of a hero from your army. On a six or more, you can add one to all to hit rolls. So, chaos hits pretty well across the board. Gets a little better roll of a six. Um, so you get that, which is cool.
0: That's a that's a nice ability. I mean, granted, it only goes off on a six. But anyone within eight inches of a hero, and you got a bunch of these little heroes running around, suddenly all of your units are rolling. Someone's getting extra to hit rolls for the rest of that phase, you know?
1: And it's going to happen, and it usually happens right at the exact wrong time for the guy you're playing against. Um, I mean, there are some things that also, like Chosen, like they do extra damage if you roll a six to hit or something. Um, So there's stuff that combos into this.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, and then it's in the command traits. That, that last command trait, uh, mm-hmm. units affected by that unpredictable destruction go on a five or a six. Now it's yeah, getting done.
1: Yeah, that one's been FAQ'd, so it's only within range of the general, within eight inches of the general for that one.
0: But. Right, yeah, because he's, yeah. Well, I mean, I I I thought that's what it was because it's it, it's the general's, it's the command trait is for the general, but I yeah, but say, they didn't say that. It didn't say that. No, I could see why they needed to FAQ it, because it didn't say it specifically. But I just assumed it was only for the general. But Yeah.
1: Um, so with the command traits, your general can either have your general and all friendly chaos units within 10 inches, add plus one to hit rolls against targets with the order keyword that doesn't specify shooting versus combat, so it's both. Yep. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, spiteful destroyer, so you get plus one to the to wound rolls. Made for the General's melee weapons, including their mount, which is something different from most things. Um, cunning Deceiver, so subtract one from the hit rolls of all enemy attacks made in the first battle round. So Chaos doesn't have a lot of shooting. They usually get shot to death first turn. No, not so much now. Um, Lord of War, so you get to pick a friendly Chaos unit within three inches of the General in the Hero phase. Add plus one to the to hit rolls. So you could look at a potential plus two to your hit rolls. Um, so that that's pretty good. Makes those things that hit really hard even that much worse. Oh, sure. Um, terrifying presence. So you subtract one from the bravery of enemy units within three inches of the general. So it helps a little bit with clearing stuff out with Battleshock. Um, and then we've already talked about Great Destroyer. So that's the unpredictable destruction on a five or a six.
0: And you can see it's, it's still it's similar, but it's definitely not the same. This is causing a lot more extra extra hit rolls, um, whereas Order, the weapons got a little tougher. The guys got a little hardier. You know, it's, you know, the individual guys got a little braver, a little tougher. Here, people get more afraid of them, and people around the general start fighting, you know, more fiercely. It, yes. I, I, I like how it starts to fit the theme. It's... It, I'm not arguing whether or not it's awesome or which ones are the best to take for your tournament. You know mm-hmm. that's that's your call depending on how you play. But they do, the 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 stuff fits the fluff nicely. Uh, even the artifacts I like same rules. But oh excuse me, uh, that was a huge yawn. I apologize for yawning into the microphone, but I couldn't move in time. I'm stuck here. So good job. Hey, it happens.
1: Uh-oh. So, with the artifacts, you get one weapon where after you attack with a melee weapon, um, except for one by the mount, um, you roll two dice, and if it's a seven or more, you do a mortal wound on an enemy unit. Um, And if you roll a natural snake eye, then you take a mortal wound. So, it's a little extra pip, nothing too crazy. Um, With the rune blade, you get to increase the attacks of weapon by one which is huge for some chaos guys um like bloodthirsters to pick one of their weapons to get an additional attack that's always fun oh yeah um beguiling gem so this one started the combat phase once per battle pick an enemy in within three inches subtract one from there to hit rolls in the combat phase um let's see chaos talisman so every time you take a wound on a six, it's negated, and you add one to that roll if it's inflicted by an order model.
0: So, so there's a five your six, or a six, up six board. You're stopping yeah. the order. And now that's a couple. That's two things here that are specifically focused at order, which yeah. fits the storyline again. It's like we smash everything, but these guys,
1: we really don't like them.
0: Yeah, we got we got a special place for these guys.
1: Yeah, and it kind of evens out because a lot of the order stuff, uh, like particular adjudicators, um, and then a lot of Seraphon actually, almost all of them oh. get some sort of bonus against chaos or chaos demons.
0: Oh, Seraphon smash! Yeah, I mean they, that's their their entire fluff has just turned into we smash chaos.
1: Yeah, so this kind of turns it back and evens it out a little bit, and kind of creates more of the animosity like we were talking about a second ago.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um. Favor of the Gods, add plus one wound to the model. Um, And then the Crown of Conquest, which is they can use Inspiring Presence even if they're not the general. But if they are, they can then use Inspiring Presence and another command ability or Inspiring Presence twice. Which is all sorts of awesome. There's a lot of great command abilities in Chaos. And then being able to double place Inspiring Presence. And this happens every turn, not just once.
0: But getting so, a hero that also gets to use a a command ability. Just oh, this hero gets to use this too, even if he's not the general. That's just oh, oh great.
1: You know? Yeah. Nothing like a little extra ping like that.
0: Yeah. It's just it that's really it's really good. I like the chaos's abilities. Oh, you know what, why don't you go ahead and take destruction? Those are your those those are your boys.
1: Yeah. The destruction one, I really think, like going into this destruction was definitely the short end of the stick um, when it came to power, and they fixed that real quick. Um, <laughs> so, their command, their battle trade, so this isn't something that they have to roll for. This is just automatic. Um, roll in your hero face or each unit within your know, I army mean, that's within six, of your general or another hero that unit can move a number of inches equal to the dice roll as if it were the movement phase, but then cannot run. It doesn't affect it from moving later in the turn. So what you essentially get is anybody in that net gets to move in the hero phase, move in the movement phase, and then charge in the charge phase. So they're essentially running and charging every turn. They just do it in a different order. So... Destruction armies get to grips very, very quickly.
0: Yes, they do. Um,
1: Like, terrifyingly quick. Mangler squigs going, like, 4d6 and then charging. That's essentially what you're seeing. So these things are going to get there really, really quickly. And this is including goblins and just all sorts of stuff. And this doesn't specify you can't use it to retreat. You just move.
3: Yep. so there's
1: a lot of tactical flexibility with this one and for destruction to get something like this that's automatic yeah that's okay I'm really okay with this one Um, so we have that and then the command traits for your generals um, the first one is nothing left standing which is in the hero phase you pick a terrain feature within six inches of your general and at least five other friendly destruction models that terrain feature doesn't provide cover anymore, and it loses all of its scenery rules. So if you are playing against a Sylvaneth player, you have just ruined their day.
0: No kidding.
1: Because, okay, yeah, it's just it's there now. It doesn't count as anything. It's just there. No more teleporting. No more summoning. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah. Ouch. No, it's brutal. Um, it's great, and it's very fluffy to what they are, which is just destroy everything. It's okay. We need a new tent. Break it up. Um, then you have Might is Right, which is add plus one to the tawoundrels to for the General's melee weapons, including their mount. So you put that on a Maw Crusher or a uh, Stonehorn or something like that. There's a lot and, of hit and
0: it's that not go the, into It's this. not to a melee weapon. If he's got it's four, all of them. everything yeah. gets plus one. And that's, that's, that's cunning and brutal.
1: That is. That is very cunning and brutal. Um, Wild Fury, um, and plus one to the generals to hit rolls if they have lost any wounds. And most of the destruction characters have a bucket of wounds. So they'll take one and be like, okay, cool, bonus. Um, And then once they
0: get down to half, they're hitting and wounding at a plus one. Yep. This is great
1: bellowing tyrant so pick a friendly destruction unit within d6 of the general so you kind of have to roll for this one and add plus one to the two hit rolls until your next hero phase um big and brutish so add plus one to the wounds characteristic and then ravager is add two to the dice roll for rampaging destroyers within six inches of the general so on average units are going to be moving five inches if they're next to him at the start of the hero phase so it creates that kind of push, that very much alpha strikey type army, which is great.
0: It's going it's exactly to wa. what dist-
1: It is. Yeah. It is. And it's that is destruction forward.
0: to a T. That was the best part about the old wah spell and calling it was that all of a sudden you rolled the dice and 90% of the army just rushed forward six inches. And you're like, what?! That was my favorite thing from the Orc book in, like, 7th Ed, was they all just, all of a sudden, hey, I cast a spell, and half the army rushed forward six inches, and if they ran into you, they were in combat. It's like, wait, what? And it was, I mean, you did. You had a wall of greenskins just moving forward, and if they didn't move far enough, we'd cast a spell and throw them forward another five or six inches on you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. There's a bunch that goes into it, and it's just... And they have some stuff that their hardest hitting stuff is actually pretty slow. Mornfang or uh, Gore Gruntas or stuff like that. Nope, they just picked up the pace quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, so you get a lot of cool stuff with that, and then you get but, to the wet. You know the the ogres
0: are also oh, yeah. the ogors are in this list as well, and th- there are no slouches. And getting these little bonuses, yep. it's just get this is getting stupid. I mean.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of potential for turn one or turn two charges with destruction, just based on how their army is. It's just so flipping fast now. I mean, and-
0: it's just yeah, it's that image in your head of everything rushing forward, and there's these big greenskins and ogres and all these really large things with clubs, just stomping things and literally knocking them down and just clubbing them and stomping on them and howling. And just smashing mm-hmm. everything. I mean, everything. What fun is that?
2: <laughs> so
1: much fun. Exactly. I've not even tried these yet, and I'm just itching to get them. Um, so then we get to the items, um, and these guys are some of the funniest items, I think would probably be the best way to describe it. Um, the meteoric hammer blade, so you get to pick a weapon. Um, and instead of attacking with that weapon normally, the bearer can smash the ground with it. And if you do, roll a dice for each model, friend or foe, within three inches. And on a five or six, the unit takes a mortal wound. Um, so and it's for
0: each model. So if there's yep. six models from the unit within three inches, that's six rolls. That unit could be taking several mortal, mortal wounds.
1: Um Talisman or Protection. So you roll a dice every time the model takes a mortal wound on a four plot on a four or more it's negated, which is really cool. They don't have a lot of that defense built in. This kind of plugs that gap a little.
0: Throwing that thing on your general, you know. Oh, yeah, four upward against mortal wounds, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Gem of Seeing. So in your hero phase you pick an enemy within twelve inches, you get to add plus one to all to hit rolls made by this model against the chosen unit. So this plays into Destruction, which is the big, brutish characters. So you look at guys on Maw Crushes, guys on Stonehorns, that sort of thing. The big, hitty characters that Destruction tends to bring. Now they got a little better. And that's okay. Um, The Blade of Vituperation... Or Vituperation... So I looked up this word because when I read it, I didn't know what it was. Okay. Um, so I looked it up, and it's just exactly what it sounds like. It's foul mouth swearing um, and making fun of people, which is exactly what this item is. It gets better when you're yelling at the other guy's heroes.
0: It seems to empower the wielder in proportion of the volume of insults he shouts at the leaders of the opposing army. Which is what exactly what...
1: The V word is, vituperation or whatever it is. Vituperation, um, yes. So fine, you re- okay, you're the English teacher. I, yeah. I was just going
0: to let you flounder, but you know, you looked it up and everything. I was proud of you, so I figured I'd pronounce it I for you.
1: tried, and I You did. No, hard.
0: dude, you looked Oops, okay. it up. I am so proud of you. Do you know how many I'm people don't sh- bother to look up the word? Come on. Yeah,
1: I'm... Um- I also own a dictionary. Most people don't own that either.
0: Uh, dictionary.com. You got it on your phone. You don't even need to own a dictionary anymore. Look it up. Yeah. It even yeah, says yeah. that. It even, it, pronu- dictionary.com will pronounce it for you. I wonder if it's in dictionary.com. That would be awesome.
1: Oh, brother. Um, so, in the combat phase, you get to reroll one failed rune roll for each enemy hero within 12 inches. So, you don't have to be fighting the hero, you just have to be close to them to get the reroll. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, the Collar of Domination, this one's a weird one. So at the start of the enemy movement phase, pick an enemy monster within three inches, so a monster you are fighting. Um, then roll two dice and add them together. If it's greater than the mo- equal to or greater than the monster's bravery, it has to retreat. Most monsters are actually pretty low on the bravery charts, unless they're a character-ridden one or dead or a demon. Um, so this actually has some potential because it pulls them out of combat and essentially takes that monster out as a threat for that turn, at least. Okay. Um, and then battle brew, this is the one that a lot of people have started modeling keg heads with their orcs and with their ogres. Um, I've seen a lot of that on Facebook and on Twitter where people have the kegs. Yeah. Um,
0: so in any of your are you getting reverb? Vituperation.
3: Vituperation. Vituperation.
0: I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself.
1: <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate it. I'm like, why in the hell am I getting <laughs> refurb? Oh, I, oh, I had to do what it. what the hell you were doing. I was playing around. <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, so, with the battle brew, in any of your hero phases you can declare, you'll be drinking one or two swigs. If the hero takes one swig, add plus one to all to hit rolls and wound rolls for the model until the next hero phase. If you take two, you add plus two to all to hit and all to wound rolls for the model until your next hero phase. But you take a mortal wound at the start of each of your future hero phases. Ooh! So this is really taking that combat character and taking him to the next level. And if you're allowed to pick in your particular environment, you do battle brew and wild fury. So, yeah, you start looking at like plus three to all my to hit rolls. I don't know. Timeout. Plus three and then plus two. Plus three to hit and then plus two to wound, and then at some point it gets to plus three to hit and plus three to wound. So, yeah. <laughs> And if that's on, like, a Maw Crusher or a Stonehorn or something like that, you know. Basically, you just, yeah. Just think about what you're going to be doing to the other guy. It's uh, kind of funny, but by the same token.
0: It's beautiful. It really is. It is. I mean, you're going to fall down and die, but, man, you are smashing, smashing, smashing face.
1: And if that doesn't play to destruction, I don't know what does.
0: That is true. That is very true. All right, so let's let's take a look. One last, one last allegiance, and that is that is death, and death's works. Uh, is, is, can, is, can I put it any other way? It's pretty simple to write. Uh, an allegiance abilities for death. You just you know you make things come back or you know stuff like that. Um, and death's abilities really just work. Um, it. To talk about synergy uh, it also helps that it's pretty much only one army in their alliance so mm-hmm. <laughs> you only have to make it work for one army but let's see okay um, their battle trait deathless minions uh, roll a dice for each wound or mortal wound inflicted on a death unit from your army that is within 10 inches of your general or another hero on a six or more the wound is negated and has no effect. So a six-up ward for every wound or mortal wound for any unit within ten inches of any general or hero. That's just stupid. Yeah. And, I mean, it, I mean, it is. It's literally it's a six-up ward against everything for with anyone within ten inches of any hero in a death army. But it makes sense because if it falls down, I make it get back up again. Uh huh. So I mean, that's good. Um it is. Yeah. I mean it's on a 6 but still. I mean that that's I'll take that. Especially with the massive amounts of models I have and with the crummy saves a lot of them have, you know, yeah. if if I lose 15 20 zombies, I'll roll 15 20 dice and maybe get five or you know, you could get five back on a decent roll or six. Suddenly it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I just put five. really you just how many really yeah, that's what happens, you know? So let's look at the command traits that I can give to my, my general. Um, okay. Uh, he can be the ruler of the night. Add one to the dice roll to see if wounds are negated by the Deathless Minion's battle trait. Oh, so now it's on a five or a six. Within range of the general. They FAQ'd that one, too. Within range of the general, but still. That's a big deal. That is a big is deal. He's gonna be.
1: He's probably gonna be nearby the things that are the most hitty, like Grave or Blood Knights or something like that. Yes,
0: yes. Be- I mean, yeah. You know, you're gonna stick your and so stick them behind the unit. It's ten inches. It's a ten inch mm-hmm. flipping bubble. A ten inch bubble is big. I mean, it's yes. not a twelve inch bubble, but it's good enough. You know, that's you, you. I can get three good sized units all within range at that point. And not be anywhere in a combat because I could have blocks of them keeping around me inside the pocket where I'm just making sure that on a five or a six, these guys are coming back.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, uh, Predator of the Shadows, I uh, like. Uh, plus one to hit if you're in cover. So, you know, if you're in a building or a forest or whatever, you get plus one to hit if you're in cover. Um, death incarnate in the hero phase enemy unit within three inches of the general roll two dice if it equal or exceeds their bravery D3 mortal wounds Bloop, there you go so you know in the hero phase just dealing out D3 mortal wounds picking away I still like ruler of the night the best but that's just me that's the way I play I've always played my uh, Death Army. It doesn't. It, I gotta say, playing the Death Army the way I used to play my VC doesn't work as well as it used to. You know, you got to be a little right. more aggressive, but it's still fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Master of the Black Arts. If your 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 general's a wizard who knows Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield, if you if your general already is a, wiz, a wizard, add one to all of their casting and unbinding rolls. That's huge. Yeah. Plus one to cast an unbind if you're already a wizard. And if you're not, guess what? You are. And you got Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield. I'll take that. And then you get the death spells from summoning. Right, because you're a wizard.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh, What else? Red Fury, roll 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 a dice after your general attacks in the combat phase. If the roll is less than the wound you inflicted, you can attack again. So if you if you if you do a nice number of attacks, then that really gets you pumped to do more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh the last one, supernatural horror, double the number of models that flee from the enemy units if they're within ten inches of your general during the battle shock phase. That's 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 great. Yep. Uh, especially on units that have low leadership where you do you know, you, you you manage to go, and they've you know, they do a ton of hits, but then they've got low leadership, so you manage to kill six or seven or eight, and then boom, suddenly six of them run away. Oh no, twelve of them run away. I mean, all of those, you know, all of those are pretty good. The only one that the, the add one to hit if they're in cover. Yeah, which is but... good if you've got like a you know a necromancer and maybe as your general, and you want to keep them in cover. If he gets attacked and he's stuck, then okay, he's got a little bit of a chance.
1: Is yeah, that- there's just, with AOS, there's a lot more terrain on the table.
0: Yeah. So he can it's going to come up incumbent. more often yeah. than you think. That's true. Um, I mean, they're all good. And it's all about I'm either making more people die or I'm making more people come back from the dead. So... Let's see, uh, and the artifacts, artifacts, all good. Any death hero from the Death Army can take this. Um, and I, I I love the names because these are all names I'm familiar with, Master of Black Arts, Minister of... the Cursed Book, minus one from the hit rolls of any unit within three inches of this model, friend or foe, unless they have the death keyword. So once again, basically all my friends can ignore this. Minus one to hit if you're near me. Um, Cloak of Mist and Shadows. Use it once per battle in the hero phase. When I do it, remove the model from the battlefield and set it up again up to 12 inches away and more than 3 inches from enemy models. So if I need to get out of somewhere quick or I want to get right behind you or something like that, boom, in the hero phase, flip, flop, floop, I'm right there or I'm away.
1: And then you still get to move. Yeah. Most things that have that kind of ability don't get to move in the movement phase again. So... You put that on a vampire that's like an 18-inch free move.
0: That's okay. Absolutely. Uh, What else? What other super cool bonus can I get for my hero? Once per battle in the hero phase, the Sword of Unholy Power can cast a spell that summons models onto the battlefield. This is in addition to spells that they can normally cast. It's cast automatically and cannot be dispelled. Whoa. Okay. Oh, yeah. Once per battle, I'm just, eh, I'm going to summon something up. You know, I think I need, yeah, I'm going to call something up here. Uh, Let's see, what else? Once per battle. A lot of this is once per battle, but it's so good I don't mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black Amulet, once per battle. In the hero phase, I can unleash magic. When it does so, pick an enemy unit within 12 inches. The unit I pick suffers a number of wounds equal to the number of the current battle round. You can't pick a unit with the death keyword. So, basically, they take wounds from anywhere from one to five wounds.
1: Yeah, this is a character sniper for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How many wounds do you have left? Three. Oh, it's the third round. Okay, take three wounds. Not mortal. So they can save them and stuff. But this could, you know, this is a nice thing when you got that guy down to that last bit. Oh, he survived. Oh, did he now? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Tomb Blade. Pick a melee weapon you can use, but not used by a mount. It's got to be you. Uh, If any of the attacks made slays an enemy model, you can heal a wound suffered by the bearer of the Tomb Blade or by a death model within six inches for each model that was slain. Oh, great. So this is like Blood Drinker. For every model I kill, I can get back a wound or... A model within six inches can get back a wound. That's even better than Blood Drinker.
1: It only fixes multi-wound models, though. Yeah. So you're looking at, like, Crypt Horrors, Vargas, Blood Knights. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, All the it's, really it's good a, stuff. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew as soon as I said it what the answer was. It's not <laughs> no, going to bring really back good.
0: zombies. Oh, no. But like
1: Graveguard or Skeletons, but... grave yeah,
0: Graveguard, no. maybe. They're good, but... Still, you know, getting still. to
1: fix your monsters for yeah. doing work? Okay, sure.
0: And then finally, the Ring of Immortality. If you're killed, put it somewhere on the battlefield more than 12 inches from enemies. You get D3 wounds. That one Once per game. If you're killed, set it up somewhere else more than 12 inches away from the enemy with D3 wounds yep and I love that well, list i do I love yeah. it. It's good. I don't know if it's as good as the destruction, but it's pretty close it, it's pretty close and i think i think point for point I think the death armies have an edge over the a lot of the destruction armies um, yeah i would agree with that so having having an a, 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 an equal abilities chart on a slightly better army i think gives them the edge. Because you can walk in there with all of your special things and whomp and smash and stomp and crush, and I'm like, okay, now they're all gonna come back, and now it's my turn, yeah, which is what I've always loved about God, that's why I love the Death Army so much still, even though it i you know I don't grow a I don't grow a thousand zombies anymore, I rarely need to play with more than like a hundred, but you know it's just or maybe a hundred twenty, but it's it's you know. It's every. It just keeps coming back. It's like you just keep killing it, and it just keeps standing back up. They're not that good, uh-huh. but they ain't going away. <laughs> like, no. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Part of what I love about it so much too is it just you just watching the look on Chris Yu's face when when the magic would go off, and he would sit there and wipe out ninety percent of the unit, and then suddenly it was bigger than when we started. And he's just like, "I hate you." <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. I only killed three of your elves, but (laughs) I have more than I actually started with, so I'm winning.
1: Oh, so bad. And it it adds flavor to armies now. Yeah. Yeah. Some armies were missing a little bit, so it creates a little more of a unique situation and adds variety, which is always a good thing.
0: And it, it really does fit the feel of that alliance. For sure. Uh, and Order, really, honestly, Order, I mean, look at the last, that global campaign. Order doesn't need that huge of a boost. It's No, they they don't. And um. it, it's giving them, but it, but it works with what they've got. It's giving them those little tweaks, you know, that hero's got that little extra oomph to him That yeah. general's got that little, the general's presence, you know, it's like those battle shock tests and stuff. You know, that's not a huge... Flip flop. It's not like running forward every move. It's not like everyone getting extra to hit rolls or extra, you know, plus one uh, you know, plus one on their attack characteristic or all these things that you're seeing with chaos. It's not, you know, everything stands back up like death. But it it's it's what it is. It's it's uh it's order. It's not showy. It's just that little bit extra when you gotta dig deep down inside. And push that yeah, little bit harder, you know? It's that regimental discipline. Yeah. Right?
1: In practice, I've not seen it a lot, but then again, I've been playing Stormcast, so we cheat anyway.
0: Um, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we cheat hard. So I've not really seen the benefit out of it yet, but, um, you know, it is what it is. They didn't need a lot of help. So this is just plugging that one stopgap that they have, which is the battle shock. So... And it's okay. I mean, it's you. You're, it's something for nothing. So let's not complain about it. Let's just make it work. Exactly.
0: All right. I think that's everything, isn't it? Yeah, that's the handbook. Dude, that handbook is, I mean, seriously. I mean, and I know at the end there we were sort of scrolling through this, just reading off the stuff and chit-chatting about what was cool and stuff. But there's so much cool in there. There's so much to do in there. We could just roll through and just do all the different things that they suggest. And it would take us months to get through it all. Yeah. There is and I'm not saying playing the full book. six-month campaign. I'm saying play a game in this style. Play a game in that style. Play the three-game campaign. Play the couple of games in the Matrix campaign. I'm not saying play the six-month Crazy campaign. one. Yeah. Yeah. But it would still take us months to get through all the stuff and all the options they've given us. And that is a great thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I, seriously,
0: for 25 bucks, given Yeah, me- it's a one-plus. Oh, yeah. It's like the only thing
1: in this game right now that is a one-plus is the General Sandbook. So oh, yeah. if you are playing AOS and you don't have it yet, you should fix that immediately. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I mean it's absolutely just it's it's an essential thing. It really is. So I think that's about it. Uh before we go let me just remind people um go to the uh lasvegasopen.net to check out the stuff for the Las Vegas Open. The uh <laughs> the first uh US tournament that's going to be run by the guys who run the events at Warhammer World. So if you're going to Las Vegas to play in a tournament, that's the one to go to. Uh, what else? The Michigan GT um got their Age of Sigmar event going on there. Uh, du Bois GT has their Age of Sigmar event coming up. Um, so check all those out, like we mentioned earlier in the show. Don't forget to go to TGA.community to go check out the forums at the Grand Alliance. Uh, What else Uh, Dr. Bear painting Because they're awesome Uh, All this stuff is in the show notes Um, And don't forget I want to thank Our associate producers On Patreon These patrons who are in for In for a pretty penny They are the guys who uh, Really love the show Like stupid amounts of love for the show And um, They get together with me Once every couple of months And they help sort of pick and decide hey this is kind of The stuff we'd like to see You covering on the next few months of the show And you know Based on what comes out some of that stuff gets Put aside but you know They get to make these decisions and uh James Mackey, Ryan Taylor And uh Shirley Tempel Guys who are in there As the uh associate producers I really appreciate that Guys please do me a favor and just at least check out My Patreon page Um if you've ever thought about helping out the show, this is a way to do it. Patreon.com slash Garage Hammer. Um, if you've ever wanted to help out the show, you can go in there and help out uh, in any way that you want to. There's a whole bunch of reward stuff there. In fact, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, one of the one of the more basic rewards, you'd like this, Alex. Um, because I'm redoing the Undead Army once I finish the... Uh, the uh, stormcast the old 210 square based zombies mm-hmm. p- people who come in at the uh at the three color minimum level cuz i've named them after painting levels um every month anyone who's at that level or higher uh, i'm raffling off one of the uh one of the one of the, one of the swamp zombies
3: mm.
0: yep because that's 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 how i work in fact um i should i might as well just announce it right now is that um the winner of the very first um the very first uh zombie is uh mr daniel callahan uh daniel callahan is the first winner and um he'll be getting his uh And I've got it with the little sharpie signed it at the bottom. So he's getting one of the swamp zombies of the... One of the legendary thousand zomblars that never actually turned out to be a thousand. But whatever. Um, (laughs) But like I said, go check it out. See if you want to help out. It's really the way that we're moving to. In fact, folks, um, at this point right now... And I'm just checking it right now to check it if I'm correct. um, But the... the the patrons that we have have gotten us up to the level where we are um, we're going to start we've got YouTube videos, I just got my my, uh, tripod and stuff here in fact the first YouTube video is going to be an unboxing and working on video of the uh, Realm of Battleboard, the Shattered Dominion Realm of Battleboard and after that it's going to be the unboxing and the progress painting on the um, the uh the hell fort that's gonna be going on the Shattered Dominion board. So
3: Oh damn. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So um and we did reach a goal um and in about a, m- it's gonna be about another month before I-, I didn't realize how expensive it was and we reached the goal and now I've got to get the money together to uh to do it. But we're going to start on Mixler. It's an app, M-I-X-L-R. Um, we're going to start uh, broadcasting the shows live as we record them because of patrons like you who've jumped in and, and have pitched in. And now the show's making enough money where I can afford to pay these, <laughs> these things for like live streaming audio and on these different uh, sites. So we're going to have that going on. Uh, probably in about a month or so, you'll be able to tune in and listen to the show with all the warts and warts and all uh, before it's edited and put out in its beautiful form to the community. Um, yeah, bathroom breaks, stop to check things, stuff before it's edited. You'll get to hear it all. It's terrible. But if you want to hear it, which people do, that's what you're going to get. So please just check it out. It's, it's like kind of a big deal to me. So if you'd at least look, I would be a happy, happy man. <sighs> that is it. That's it. So we're done. Alex, thank you so much for coming on again. You have become a real regular. And, dude, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. I really appreciate it. People really like um, like you coming on here. They're like, hey, finally, you got someone on who knows, knows like, stuff. So You know stuff. I know fluff. You know stuff.
1: Oh, whatever.
0: Yeah. Go no, back I really
1: and- appreciate... Go back and man.
0: listen go back and listen to my extremist chamber episode where I did it myself and then listen uh, when you come in and start helping out with the with the uh, army book stuff and tell me you don't hear a difference you lie all you want but that's fine uh, you ever want to come on and help out with army books or any of this stuff man seriously you know you're always welcome so I really appreciate it, it, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time yeah So folks, that's it Uh, Episode 152 done And until next time Only the faithful will be triumphant Only the faithful will stand when all others fall And only the faithful Know no fear Except in failure
3: You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, follow David at Garage Hammer, and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through chrisu at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website. Or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.